Glenn Fry, You Belong to the City, from 1985. This was one of the few songs that was actually written for a TV show. This was written for Miami Vice, a specific episode of Miami Vice, a two-parter, which also featured 
Penn Gillette, who is one half of Penn and Teller. It was a good episode. If you can find it, uh, I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the web. It's actually one of the few Miami Vice episodes that did not take place in Miami, and I think the only one that wasn't filmed in Miami, because even the ones that supposedly took place in other countries were actually filmed in Miami. But this was actually filmed in New York, and I think it was the season premiere, a two-parter in 1985 for the second season. Anyway, welcome to the Draft and Friends show of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am your host, Todd Dandruff Wittellis, flying solo this week as there's no co-host with me. Last week we had Daredevil, and some weeks we have a co-host, some weeks we don't, and it's harder for me to do it without a co-host. But I will do the show either way, usually on Tuesday night, usually around 6.30 Pacific time. And almost always when we do the show, we have a free roll. Now this free roll that we have here is different from other free rolls you will find because this is a cash free roll. This is a free roll that actually pays you direct cash to your bank, to your PayPal. I'll even send you real cash in an envelope if that's the way you want to get paid. This week, the free roll is $117. Wait, scratch that. It's more than that. Someone donated at the last minute. It's $137. Wow. $137 this week. And that's a big prize pool considering the fact that there are not that many people playing. You know, if you've got 1,000 people playing, that's not a good free roll. But we always have less than 100 people playing in this free roll because the vast majority of our listenership... More than 90% of our listenership is not live, is in the archives. So that makes it easy to win these free rolls. We've had a number of people win these repeatedly because it's such a small field. So here we're giving away 137 bucks, And here's how the prize pool is going to break down. First place, $64. Second place... $37, third place, $21, fourth place will be $10, and fifth place will be $5. So it's 64, 37, 21, 10, and 5. The first five spots pay. Where do we get all this money? Well, it came from five different sources. Bootsy Collins gave $35. Mudbutt gave $25. Simpdog gave $50 and stipulated he wanted 30 towards first and 20 towards second. Hotshot74 gave $7 that he wants it all on first. And then I guess to counteract the guys who made the pool top heavy, we got a donation from Reno. Not the city of Reno, but the username Rio, Reno. And Reno gave $20 to be split among third, fourth, and fifth. So that's how the prize pool breaks down. You can play the free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. That's located near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, but it's totally free, and you don't even need play chips. You don't need anything other than an account there to play, and it begins at 7.40 p.m. Pacific Time. Late registration lasts for 25 minutes, so at 8.05 p.m. you're cut off, but I suggest you get there on time. you got about 40 minutes from right now to get over there. 
It is No Limit Hold'em this week, as it is most weeks. And one stipulation, as we have every week for the free money, you need a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert's forum dated June 1st, 2013 or earlier. If you do not have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum dated June 1st, 2013 or earlier, you need to email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you have been listening for three or more weeks to this program. And I will give you an exception to win the free money this week and all weeks. Once I give you an exception, you have it as long as you remain in good standing on this site. One other way you can get the exemption is to donate 10 bucks to this or future free rolls. If you donate $10, you're instantly qualified to win the free money, but you have to do it, obviously, before you win the money here. You have to donate before the free roll starts, or otherwise you'll have to start winning the money next week. So don't think you're going to win the 64 as a new user and then send me 10 and then get the 64. I will not fall for that. Reason we do that, by the way, is I don't want people showing up here just to win the free money with no interest in the show. So if you're actually listening to the show, and the way you convince me, by the way, when you email me, tell me some things that happened in the show that are not in the show description. That's how you'll convince me. Don't just repeat what's in the description. Otherwise, that will not convince me. So that's the free roll tonight in about 40 minutes. If you want to reach me, there's a few ways to do that. You can call in at 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. That's a mountain that is near Las Vegas. Gets snow in the winter, and I have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of that mountain that forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808-702. 430-1808, no matter which phone number you call, please make sure you're showing your caller ID. One way to do that is dial star 82 before whatever you call, or just enable the option on your cell phone if that's what you're using to call. Make sure caller ID is displayed or you will not get through. You can get a hold of me in the chat room. You can do that by clicking the chat button near the top of the screen. You need an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to get in the chat room, and you need a flash-enabled device to access it, which means no iPhones or no iPads. You can text me during the show, and I will read your text on the air unless, unless you ask me not to. If you ask me not to, I will kindly not read your text on the air. Otherwise, I will read it. I will keep your phone number private. I'll give out your area code, but no more than that. The text phone number is very easy. It's the same as the regular phone number, the main phone number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is our text phone number. That's the best way to get a hold of me during the show. If you say something in the chat room, I might miss it because it's hard to read a chat room, which is constantly scrolling with our live listeners talking to one another. I can't read a whole chat room while I'm doing the show. There's a lot to do here. I run everything here. I don't have a board operator here. I don't have a screener. I don't have a writer. A lot of the radio hosts you hear, including Howard Stern, a lot of the witty stuff you hear from them 
often doesn't come from them. It comes from a writer in the background who doesn't have the pressure of doing the show and doesn't have his mind on doing the show. And the writer can think more clearly and think of funnier things on the fly. And then they pass little notes over to the host who then says it on the air and the host sounds really witty. I don't even have a writer, though I will steal occasionally from the chat room. They're sometimes my writers. But anyway, I have to do everything here. So hard for me to read the chat. I will glance at it every so often. And someone asking me in chat, is the donating a $10, donating $10 of the free roll, is that a new thing I just invented to get access to winning the money? No, I said it a while ago and then I forgot about it. One step, I mean, he's not being very nice here. I always give him a chance to call in here. And he says in the chat, I want my ears to bleed. So I decided to listen to this. <laughs> that's, that's just not nice. Come on, one step. He, he's listened to me on so many different shows over the years, and I, I've always given him a chance to call in. He used to prank call my previous shows so often, so often. And I still, we answered every single time. I answer his calls here. I give him a chance to speak, even if he doesn't have anything to say. I let him obsess over Tom Dwan on the air, and that's the thanks I get. All right. I'm going to try not to let the chat room get me riled up here. Uh, Danny Deadwood, he donated, by the way, but uh, we're going to use that in a future week. But thank you to him. And... I, I know it's hard going through life with dead wood, but I'm glad that he's happy enough with where he is to where he still wants to give to others. One step says you need a co-host. Well, okay. Okay. Get me one. I know you volunteered before one step, but whenever I have you on here, you just kind of giggle and don't have much to say. I couldn't picture you one step doing this show for like three or four hours. I don't think it would go well. Anyway, let's uh, go through the agenda. We have 12 topics tonight. Just like last week, we have a lot of topics, but nothing I'm going to spend really long on. Now, the first two topics, if you don't enjoy the serious poker stuff, the poker news, the poker scandals, the analysis of that stuff... You will be happy with the beginning of this show because the first two topics uh, are going to involve kind of fun stuff, stuff that other shows don't do. So the first thing I'm going to do is one of the favorite things I have on this show, one of the things I enjoy most about doing this show, and that is playing stupid clips and then commenting on those clips as I play them and making fun of them. I enjoy doing that probably most of anything on this show. And this week, we're going to be playing clips of the laughably cheesy poker drama called Bullets. It was a web show. It had six episodes. It's supposedly in season two. We'll talk more about Bullets, and I'll play some parts of the first episode. And you'll get to hear what I'm talking about with how bad that thing is. Next, the Mandalay Bay Poker Room allowed a really, really horrible case of angle shooting. And according to posters on the 2 plus 2 forum. This is a regular occurrence over there to where apparently angle shooting is okay over there. They take care of their regulars a little bit too much. Now you may say, wait a minute, I thought this is going to be a fun topic. Well, Alvin Finkelstein is going to represent the guy 
who had an angle shot against him and the floor sided with the angle shooter, Alvin Finkelstein is going to call up and make a big deal over this. Now, you might wonder, did the victim of this really hire Alvin Finkelstein as as his attorney? The answer is no. Alvin Finkelstein is taking great risk of his career to do this segment because you can get disbarred for pretending to represent a client you really don't represent. But Alvin is so dedicated to this show, he's going to do it anyway. So Alvin is going to call up and pretend that he is representing that client when he calls the Mandalay Bay and try to get answers out of them. And not just a prank call, we're actually going to try to really get the story, see if they'll talk. Speaking of angle shots, Doug Lee. Doug Lee angle shot at Planet Hollywood at a tournament there recently, and he got away with it. There were two accounts of this from well-known and pretty respected poker players who are known to tell the truth, so I believe what they had to say about Doug Lee, even though I didn't see it myself. We'll talk about that. Well, there's a guy named Curtis Reistat who has been making news. I guess it's the most talked about thing of the World Series of Poker broadcast so far. Uh, He's definitely the villain of the broadcast. Basically, he's a fish who enjoys taunting and bothering the other players, and he really had it out for this one guy, this one Las Vegas poker pro at his table, and really screwed with the guy. And everyone hated Curtis Reistad watching watching this. He really made himself unlikable. And I know ESPN also will try to do creative editing to make someone the villain of the episode, even if they weren't all that bad. But in this case, there was no creative editing. I mean, it's pretty straightforward the way the guy acted and what he did. So I'll play a clip of that as well. Well, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm sure a lot of you know who I'm talking about. But we had a user on Poker Fraud Alert and who also posted on some other forums that share a user base with – share some of the user base with Poker Fraud Alert – And this individual is not on forums anymore. This individual left forums because he said a lot of things in public that could be Googled and captured that later came back to bite him during divorce proceedings. I'm not going to say who it is. Most of you know who it is. At least most of the forum people know who this is. But uh, anyway, this guy left forums after that happened, that his words came back to bite him. Sometimes what you post on a forum, you think it's anonymous or you think that only the right people are reading, but sometimes the wrong people are reading and sometimes the wrong people are not reading right now, but they will be down the line. You got to watch what you say. I even find myself occasionally posting something and then aborting the post before I finish because I go, no, 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 I don't want that up on the web. I don't want that to be found one day. Even if I don't mind you guys knowing it, I I don't think I want it Googled one day. So this has been happening to some Swedish poker players. Apparently the Swedish version of the Internal Revenue Service has been reading poker forums and poker news stories in order to figure out who has been winning money in poker in Sweden and dodging taxes. Yeah. Yeah. So in Sweden, they're like, you know what? We're going to find out who the big winning Swedish poker players are, and we're going to find this out by just reading the internet and see what these guys say. And when people brag about winning, then we're going to come after them. So 
This is really a case of people's words coming back to bite them. We'll talk about that very interesting story. Phil Ivey came into the Crockford's lawsuit involving his edge sorting at the casino there. Uh, he came into that pretty confident that he was going to get his $11 million sent to him. They've been holding it, holding it up over there at Crockford's, refusing to pay him, saying that he cheated. Well, he lost his lawsuit, and we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about why he lost his lawsuit. Well, you've heard of sit-and-goes, but have you heard of spin-and-goes? What is a spin-and-go? I've heard of sit-and-goes, and I've heard of sit-and-spins, but I've never heard of spin-and-goes until this week. Well, the spin-and-go is a new concept by poker stars. It's just like a sit-and-go, except... What you win from the sit-and-go is variable. What do I mean by variable? Well, when you sit, when you pay for the sit-and-go and and sit down, you don't know what prize pool you're going for. You don't know if you're going to get less than your expected prize pool or a whole lot more. It could be anywhere. Basically, it's a three-man sit-and-go where it's winner-take-all. But instead of the winner taking three times like you'd expect, the winner will take anywhere between two times and... 1,000 times? Yeah. And before you think this is a great idea, a lot of the regular players are very unhappy about this and are revolting against this situation. But Daniel Negreanu is defending it. And in fact, while he's defending it, he's bashing, of all things, winning players. Yes, Daniel Negreanu apparently thinks winning players are bad for poker. I've heard of being self-hating before, but that takes that to a new level. Can you imagine Daniel Negreanu hating winning poker players? (laughs) So we'll talk about both of those topics. B-Win Party, the owner of Party Poker, their director had an interview recently, the director of poker, and he admitted that the New Jersey market has been a failure so far. So far, they are getting three to four times less traffic than they expected from the legalized New Jersey poker market, and I'll tell you why he believes that is occurring. Well, here's a story that's gotten very, very little coverage. In fact, I haven't even covered it yet on Poker Fraud Alert. This is a Poker Fraud Alert exclusive, radio exclusive, in fact. There was an armed standoff at a California casino to where... Patrons at the casino playing at the tables actually ran out of the casino with their chips still on the table. They panicked and ran out because there was an armed standoff between two factions there. Now, how could you have not heard of this? Well, I'll explain what happened. This is a real thing that just occurred recently, and I'll tell you which casino it happened at and why. I have a tip, a quick tip for Diamond and Seven Stars members who can get some free stuff in Atlantic City at non-Caesars property. It's a a worthwhile thing to do if you're in Atlantic City. Finally, an editorial. If it's too good to be true or too funny to be true on the internet, it probably isn't true. I think I've done a form of this editorial before, but what the hell, I'll do it again if I've done it before. But basically, I'm going to quickly go over how you spot a hoax or a lie on the internet. That's tonight's editorial. 
So those are our 12 topics. And if you call in during the show and I don't answer, don't worry about it. Just try back in 15 minutes or so, and I'll probably take your call. I don't take calls when I am busy with something, usually in the middle of a rant, and I don't feel like being interrupted. Sometimes I will interrupt myself. Sometimes I'll just be like, all right, hang on, call you on the air. But sometimes I won't. Depends on my mood. Let's take a look if we received any text messages while I've been introing the show. No. Don't be shy, people. 775-372-8355. Feel free to text me. Take a look at the chat room before we get going. Free roll starting in 23 minutes. Tilted Stone saying in chat, how about them Dodgers? That's not very nice. That's not very nice. Yeah. Well, Actually, there was some good news today for the Dodgers. They hired Andrew Friedman from Tampa Bay to be their general manager. Oddly enough, they didn't fire they didn't fire Ned Coletti, their former general manager, who very much deserved to get fired. But they just kind of kicked him downstairs to be an assistant to the CEO. I don't know why they didn't get rid of the guy, but that's what they did. But Friedman is a very bright guy and. I don't think he'll make a lot of the same mistakes that the Dodgers have made over the last several years. So maybe they will more efficiently spend their money. And if you can combine a team that has a lot of money to spend and can efficiently spend it, then you're going to have a pretty powerful force. So hopefully there will not be the crushingly disappointing postseason like there was this year for the Dodgers. Though at least I got to see the only winning game they had in the postseason. The Royals, I mean, that's a team that's definitely doing well in the postseason, and they're winning 2-1 right now. Hmm. Haven't lost yet in the playoffs. Who would have guessed that one when the season started? So let's get going with the first topic. The internet TV show called Bullets. I had never heard of this before. And I actually enjoy watching these things because they're usually so bad that they're actually entertaining in how bad they are. And I don't mean they're trying to be entertaining. Sometimes there will be shows or movies that are intentionally stupid and you're supposed to derive enjoyment from them because of how stupid they are. In fact, uh, there's some shows on Adult Swim that are like that. But this was a show that was intended to be something that you take seriously, kind of like Rounders. It was kind of modeled after Rounders, but it's a very poor man's version of Rounders. And I always enjoy watching these things because they're always terrible, terrible. The acting's terrible. The writing is terrible. The poker scenes are terrible. And that's the most surprising part. You think that... It's not that hard to stage a realistic-looking poker hand if you are a poker player. If you don't know anything about poker, it's tough. But if you know about poker, you just think of some interesting hands you had in your life and stage that as the hand. You know, stage your exact hands. As long as it's not known by too many people, people will find it interesting. I have a number of very interesting hands that I got involved with, especially in tournament poker, that I think would be good hands if 
I wrote a poker TV show or movie. It'd be a good on-screen hand. I have a number of those like that. I probably had some like that uh, from this year's World Series main event. Uh, But the ones that you see on TV, on these scripted TV shows, are awful. Like, the person writing the show has no clue about a realistic poker hand. But that's the least of the problems of this thing. Uh, And I will describe bullets for you from the official description of the creators of the show. Now, you might wonder, did this air anywhere? No. It aired on YouTube. It was not on any networks. Who funded this? Well, it was funded from that venerable source known as Kickstarter. (laughs) Now, Kickstarter is a real amazing phenomenon. And I hate to say it, but the same generosity that we see here on Poker Fraud Alert, where people donate to the free rolls, which I think is great, that same type of generosity is what's making Kickstarter work. But unfortunately, while donating to the Poker Fraud Alert free roll is a noble thing to do, because basically you know, you're enjoying the show, you're enjoying the community, you want to give something back so everyone has some fun and can play for some real money during the show. And that's great, especially if you are pretty well off and you, know, you throw in 50 bucks, whatever, you know, 25 bucks, whatever you want to throw in. Or if you want to kick back your winnings from the previous week, that's a very nice thing to do and it makes sense. But what doesn't make so much sense is donating to Kickstarter campaigns. Kickstarter, it's basically, if you haven't heard of it, someone goes on there, posts, I have this project I want to do, but I don't want to or I can't fund it myself. So I want you to pay for my great idea. Do you get to own any part of my idea for funding it? No. You don't get to own any of it. You just get the satisfaction of helping me. And what I will give you in return for helping me are, you know, depending on what on what the product is, the free product or uh, if it's a, uh, a TV or film production, you get uh, an appearance in the film if you donate enough. It's stuff, stuff like that where they give you a token thank you for what you donated but never commensurate with what you gave them. There have been some stories of people donating to Kickstarter campaigns where a wildly successful product results from it, and the people who donated get nothing. Absolutely nothing other than like a a free product. While the inventor gets millions or billions. And I thought, who donates to these things? It's one thing to donate to your friends, your family, but I don't know. I, I don't see why strangers deserve my money to develop something that they will make money from and I won't get a piece of it. You know, maybe I would take the risk and fund some things that I think are a good idea and I own that percentage of what I fund. That would make sense. But but just to give free money to strangers is just weird. I guess it's nice, but it's just... I think a lot of the people putting up these Kickstarter campaigns are taking advantage of the generosity of people on the internet. And they put up a big sob story there. They put up this thing about their lifelong dream and people feel bad. And, you know, you're sitting here with a lot of money in the bank or you know, you're doing really well with for yourself financially. And you think about, hey, I remember when I was 20 years old and I was broke and I wished I could do things like this. And 
nobody would give me the money for it. And, hey, I'm going to enable this now. And that is a very noble and nice thing to do. Uh, but unfortunately, the people on the other end that you're funding, you never know what their intentions are. You never know if they really have the money and just don't feel like spending it. Uh, you never know if it's something that's going to make a ton of money one day and then you'll never get a piece of it. And that's not really fair. Uh, you don't know if it's a scam of some sort, which happens a lot on Kickstarter. So I, I think Kickstarter is pretty ridiculous. And it kind of surprises me that it's so successful. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me. But anyway, they raised $18,000 on Kickstarter for this TV series, this internet TV series called Bullets. And you would think at this point, and this was in uh, 2013, I guess, you would think at that point, and at this point right now, the market has been saturated with poker dramas and poker shows. It's, it's kind of way past. This isn't 2006 anymore. The poker boom is kind of on a decline. People don't really watch poker on TV as much anymore. People aren't as interested in seeing fictional poker shows. I mean, there was a time when poker was at its peak where poker was making its way into mainstream movies and TV shows because it was so big. But you're not seeing that anymore. So this is kind of a weird time to create a poker movie or poker TV series. But still, $18,000 is a lot to basically film six YouTube episodes. I will give them credit that the production value of this was pretty good. And hopefully that's where some of the money went. But here's a description of what Bullets is. And this, these are not my words. This is from the creators. An original crime series about two bank employees who steal from a rich man's account to play in a high-stakes poker game. Now, that's not even right, by the way. As you'll hear in the first episode, that's not even really what they did. It, it's sort of, but they, they can't even get their own description right of their own show. That's already a bad sign. <laughs> then they put in all caps, We need your help to fund season one. Just a few hours left to reach our goal. We need your help to make bullets a reality. Update. We're proud to announce that 2006 Bluff Magazine Player of the Year... Who's that? Anybody know who that might be? Chad Brown? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Chad Brown has signed on for a cameo role. They spelled role incorrectly, by the way. They put R-O-L-L. But that, that's not the worst part there, obviously. Chad Brown has signed on for a cameo role. This is still on the website right now. We're very excited to have him on board. Uh, he, he's literally on a board right now under the ground. Learn more about him in our update. So Chad Brown died in case you haven't heard of him. He had cancer for a long time. He didn't just abruptly die of a heart attack. This guy had sarcoma, which is a very, very tough form of cancer. Pretty much nobody makes it out of sarcoma. And Chad Brown passed away. They honored him at the World Series. It was, it was pretty touching. But he's gone. He's not going to be starring in anything. And he was not in the first season. So here they have an update on their Kickstarter page that they're proud to announce that Chad Brown has signed on for a cameo. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. Can you imagine of all people to say <laughs> it's going to have a cameo there? They don't even remove it. They just leave it up there. 
Pretty disrespectful, actually. Bullets is a six-part digital series about crime, power, addiction, and the relationships that are broken because of it. It tells the gritty story of Hugo and Mark, two bank employees. They, they really committed a grammatical mistake that drives me up the wall here. They put two bank employee apostrophe S. I hate that. I hate the incorrect apostrophe S. That's always a sign of someone who is not very well educated. I'm not trying to be a grammar snob here or anything, but that's the worst. Like, I don't even understand that mistake. I understand if you don't know the spelling of a word and misspell it, or if you make a typo, or if you don't type with perfect grammar, especially if you're just typing something informal. I mean, we're all guilty of that stuff. But why would you ever put an extraneous apostrophe S, like poker chip apostrophe S? That's wrong, obviously. It's just C-H-I-P-S. It's not C-H-I-P apostrophe S. An apostrophe means a possessive. Or an apostrophe can mean uh, a contraction, like the word isn't, I-S-N-T. Isn't means is not. So that is where you use an apostrophe. Or if you say, I'm going to take Todd's chips because he's not looking. And he'll never know they're gone. That is a correct use of the apostrophe. Todd apostrophe S. But two bank employees, you just write the word employee and put an S at the end. It's so simple. Like like a five-year-old could do that. You don't need an apostrophe. Like why, why put an apostrophe there? I hate when people put that extra apostrophe there. It pisses me off. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I'll tell you something else. When Benjamin's mom and I started having our phone conversations in 2009, after we hadn't talked in 16 and a half years, and at some point during our conversations, we were talking about people writing and not having good spelling or grammar. And I said to her, you know which thing I absolutely hate? And she stopped me and said, let me guess. It's when people use the apostrophe when they shouldn't with a word that's a plural. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I have to be with this girl. I have to have a kid with this girl. She, she really said that. She, she knew that's what I was going to say before I said it, and I had never mentioned it before to her now or in the past. So it bugged her just as much. Anyway, two bank employee apostrophe S who hatch a plan to steal from a rich man's account to play in an underground poker tournament. Everything goes to hell when the man whose account was hacked realizes the money was gone as the money was being laundered for the same mafia kingpin that is running the poker game. By the way, again, uh, this is an incorrect description of the show. <laughs> there was no hacking in this show. There was absolutely no hacking. I watched all six episodes. There was not one bit of hacking of any kind. So they can't even update their homepage to represent the change in the story. Addiction, obsession, power, place your bets. It really says that. Our goal is to raise $18,000 to fund our first season and shoot 65 minutes of content in two weeks with over a dozen actors in six locations. Ambitious? Maybe. But we know we can do it. No is in all caps. We've turned to the Kickstarter platform because we strongly believe in audience green lighting and want to make our audience part of the filmmaking process. Yeah, more like your beggars. We need donations from backers like you, all caps, 
to help us make bullets a reality. By the way, they call it bullets because pocket aces are called bullets sometimes. No, what you saw above is just a carefully crafted teaser to give you an idea of what bullets could look like once we finish the first season. They, they showed a teaser there. I'm not going to play it to you. The teaser was shot in one day at various locations to give the illusion that we shot more than we have. What you saw above, save for a few backers, backer-only bonus scenes, is all that we filmed. Help us to make bullets a reality and find out what happens to Mark and Hugo by becoming a backer. So... I'll skip the rest of it until the end. Uh, for $75, you become our VIP. Actually, I forget that. I'm going to read to you the different things you get for donating to it, but I'll do that later. Let's get into the actual episodes. Now, what are the names of the episodes? Very creative naming process here. Very, very, very creative naming process. Okay? This really makes the show. Episode one is called The Flop. Episode two, wait for it, wait for it, The Turn. (laughs) Episode three, episode three is called Pre-Flop. No, it's called The River. (laughs) Advanced stuff here. Now, hold on. Now they're out of streets here. I guess they can go to an ocean, but, you know, there's not really an ocean. Episode four is called Squeezed. I I guess that's the best name they have of all the episodes, sadly enough. Episode five, Cracked. You know, like bullets are cracked. That's very clever. And uh, episode six, high drama in this one called Heads Up. All right, now I'm not going to play you all six episodes. It probably would take about an hour. I actually watched all six of them in one night. I can't believe I did, but I did. Um, Ali Islami, some of you know of him. He was in episode one. I didn't see him the rest of the time, but he was in episode one. He is a professional poker player. He's had eh, some tournament results, but he's more of a cash player. He's a good player. He's been around for about as long as I've been around. I remember him back when he was a a nit at the 2040 game in commerce, but he changed over time from a nit to a pretty aggressive, gambly type player, but a good player. And I don't know how he got involved with this, but let me just go on to episode one. This is the flop. Place to you, Hugo. Sorry. Uh, 18. Now, this is a home poker game. They're showing the beginning of a home poker game where Hugo is playing against his buddies. Check raise. Check raise. You're trying to make me fold. Great acting right. so far, huh? Let's do this. Call. Now the guy laughing, by the way, is the fish of the game He's holding seven deuce offsuit 
and uh, he's the obnoxious one at the table. He's pretty much the Curtis Rice stat of this game. All in. That's the fish going all in. <laughs> and laughing. <laughs> Hugo's deciding what to do. <laughs> Looks at his cards. Call. Fuck. So now, now the fish is like, oh, fuck. So they've dealt four cards so far. The board is uh, 10, Jack, 8, 6 with three hearts. And I think the fish has the seven of hearts with the seven deuce. And he hits the deuce. Off suit deuce. Here. <laughs> Garrett. Oh, all I got is a bullets. <laughs> now, if they wanted that machine, that that scene to be good, there instead of the slow roll of all I got is bullets. I, I didn't want to play that. I meant to say all I got is bullets. If they wanted that scene to be good, they should have had him call the all-in with ace-king with the ace of hearts and then miss the final card and have the guy hit his deuce with a seven-deuce and have that take down the huge pot instead of just calling with aces no heart and slow-rolling all I got is bullets. That's the opening scene, and between the already bad acting and that pretty crappy opening poker scene, which sadly is actually the best poker hand you're going to see this whole series, I I knew we were in for a real treat. Now, I should describe the opening sequence here. They're showing poker chips and then various poker hands with the names of the actors. So each time they switch an actor's name, they show a different angle of poker chips and a different... Hold'em poker hand. In this case, like Zach Silverman, whoever that is, uh, 10-9 of spades. Now, this actually isn't a bad idea, except the chips look really, really cheap. Like, picture the cheapest chips you could buy at, like, Kmart, and that's what you're seeing here. And that'll be a theme in this program. Oh, now they show some guns. Then they showed pocket aces and a bunch of chips, and now it says bullets on the screen. The flop. Man, Frank is such an idiot. So these are the two heroes of the movie after the game drinking beer and talking about how Frank, presumably that fish, is such an idiot. And then they're going to talk about how great it would be if they could be professional poker players. He actually made me fetch something from his car today. Like I'm some kind of dog. Well, he's an asshole, so... Oh, no, they're talking about their boss there. I'm sorry, not... Uh, I'm already forgetting the show. Not not the fish there. They work at a bank. Is this where you saw your life? No. <sighs> we major in finance. Now we saw us on Wall Street. Not like Count Penny's behind some counters. Yeah, me neither. You know, I just wish I could make a living playing poker. Is that so much to ask? What if we could? Yeah. I've got a friend. He's got an in with a big tournament. I'm talking millions. 
I've got a friend. He's got an in a big tournament. Like the acting is really, really bad of that character. Whoever that actor is, I have no idea. Like these are all unknown actors, and they're not really poker players, as far as I know. But that actor, even for a web series, should have been fired. The guy who plays Hugo, I mean, he's not a good actor either, but he's not as bad as this guy. I've got an end to a tournament. And keep in mind, this is not live. They have, like, several takes to get this right. What's the buy-in? 500 grand. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Mark. Come on, I'm serious. Oh, see, that's the problem. Where are we going to get that kind of cash anyway? What are you talking about? Now, never mind. I guess that guy's not a good actor. Where are we get that kind of cash anyway? What are you talking about? I, I guess the writing's really bad. It's hard to act naturally if the writing's awful. Like, it's easy. I shouldn't say easy, but it's much easier to act well if you're given good material to work with. And when you're given lousy material, it's hard to make it sound realistic if nobody actually speaks that way. Where are you going? The safety deposit boxes at work. That's not a good idea. They never check them. It's a victimless crime. Victimless crime? We take the money from the boxes Friday, we put it back Monday morning, we will be millions richer and we cannot lose. See, this doesn't even make sense. And keep in mind, there's no continuity here. As, as you'll see later in the episode, this isn't what they do to steal the money. They do steal money, but they, they don't steal from safety deposit boxes. But when I first saw that, I said, wait a minute, I have safety deposit boxes at banks, and... The tellers or other employees there can't just steal the money out of it because they cannot access it. There are two keys to a safety deposit box. There's the bank's key and there's your key. And the bank does not keep a copy of your key. So what happens if you lose your key? They actually have to drill the box open. So there's no way to do that with any kind of subtlety. You can't drill the box open without the person or the other employees not knowing you did it. It's not like just opening something with a key because you only have one of two keys. Each party only has one of two keys, and you have to have both to open it. So I have no idea what he's talking about here. (laughs) Isn't it time that we get ours? These rich assholes have been taken from us our whole lives. Just get some sleep, buddy, okay? Just leave the bank robbing to the real criminals. Okay. Right? Good night. Good night. I love the writing there. Like, so you have the guy proposing the crazy scheme to steal 500K from safety deposit boxes. And then you have the other guy who doesn't want to do it, but he's acting like it's just a joke. Hmm, you just need some sleep. Leave the bank robbery to the real criminals. Good night. <laughs> it's like, if your friend approached you and you thought he was totally crazy proposing something like this, would you say, you just need some sleep. Good night. No, you'd say, what are you, nuts? It's never going to work. That's crazy. Here's what's going to happen to you if you try. Like, you would, especially if it's a good friend of yours, you would object immediately and loudly so they understand, because you care about them and don't want to see them... Uh, I'm analyzing this too much. Let's go on. Hey, 
So now uh, Hugo's coming home. And he's married, by the way. Hugo is a married man. Hey. His wife's waiting for him. I didn't want to wake you. Uh-oh. She's handing him an envelope. You don't want to come home and have your frustrated wife hand you that manila envelope. You do not want that. Unless you want the marriage to be over, then I guess it's good. But uh, Hugo does not want that. What's this? Uh-oh. Babe. <laughs> Divorce papers. Seriously, it's, it's not gambling. I'm just playing poker with the guys. But then it becomes nights at the casino and weekends in Vegas, and then you're quitting your job and gambling away all of our savings again. It's not like that this time. This time? How many... <sighs> How long have you had these for? Four months. You had these drawn up four months ago? You never... I like, the, I like the, uh, the serious music in the background. Listen to the music. Listen to the music. This is actually supposed to be a serious moment. Four months. You had these drawn up four months ago? You never believed in us, did you? You never You've believed in us. You've just been waiting us. for a moment you had an out, haven't you? Been, you've been waiting for... Oh, <laughs> she just slapped him. <laughs> you've been waiting for a moment to do it. She was. I mean, why is she slapping him? It's not like he said, you're a whore, you're a cunt, and then she slapped him. He's like, you didn't believe in us. You're just waiting for the right moment to serve me. Well, if she filed the divorce papers or or got them drawn up four months ago, then yes, that's exactly what she did. Why is she slapping him? I hate to say I'm on Hugo's side here. What have you had these for? Four months. You had these drawn up four months ago? You never believed in us, did you? You've just been waiting for a moment you had an out, haven't you? Do not make me the bad guy. Don't make me feel worse than I already do. I'm going to my parents for the night. I do not want to see you here when I get back. This is my house too, Ashley. The mortgage is in my name. Ooh. (laughs) The mortgage is in her name. We don't know why the mortgage is in her name. If he has a job at the bank, why couldn't he be in the mortgage too? He's sitting down to ponder it, looking at the divorce papers, wondering where his life went. Poor Hugo. Oh, uh, different scene. Same music, different scene. Okay, so here's Ali Eslami now. Now, we're jumping away from the dramatic scene of Angie leaving Hugo and going to her parents' house and saying, you have to be out by tomorrow. It doesn't even work that way, by the way. It does not work that way. You cannot divorce your spouse. You can't serve them with papers and say, tomorrow be out of the house. You can request it, but when you're married, there's community property. The judge decides who gets the house. It doesn't matter whose name's on the mortgage. You can own the entire house before you even get married, before you even meet the person you marry. And if they're living there with you, you do not have a right to kick them out of the house until the judge actually has them out of the house. Now, sometimes 
people will voluntarily separate for obvious reasons. But uh, the fact that he has to get out by tomorrow is a joke just because her name's on the mortgage. Like, uh, how do these guys not understand that? It's a stupid plot point. But, okay, so here's Ali Eslami, a real poker player. The only one, the only real poker player I've seen is in, in this entire series. And this is his one scene. I guess if there's a season two, then we're going to have uh, Chad Brown. <laughs> but uh, right now it's just Ali Islami. How you doing, Ali? Yeah, good, good. Nice job in the tournament. Oh, now I should uh, set this up here. There's a kind of bad-looking guy here. A guy, you know, you, you know he's the bad guy from looking at him. He's got a fedora on. He's got the the kind of combination beard, five o'clock shadow. He's got the leather jacket, which of course makes him a bad guy, unless he's the Fonz. But uh, since he's not the Fonz, he's got to be the bad guy. And he looks Italian. So that means he's a mobster. He's a bad guy. And he talks like a bad guy. So he's the bad guy. You know that already before you even hear the dialogue from him. And Ali's getting in a car with him. So I'm, I'm kind of scared for Ali. I'm kind of scared that Ali is not going to get out of that car alive. I'm afraid I've seen Ali Eslami for the last time. Couldn't get past Ivy, though, could you? Listen, I got cold decked. I had ace-king versus aces. Just... I'm fucking with you. <laughs> hey, come on. I'm fucking with you. I'm just fucking with you. Relax. Where's my money? The whole score, 199K. So then Ali takes a bag full of cash and just dumps it at Manny's feet. His whole score, 199K. Now, if you owed someone makeup and you show up in a car with them, especially a badass like this Manny Sanko mobster is supposed to be, yo, where's my money? Yeah, here it is. I'm going to dump it on your feet. <sighs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Why would you dump the money on his feet on the floor of the car? What kind of dramatic effect is that? Just open it up, say, here's the money. Manny counts it. Okay, good. And then grabs the bag. How how hard is that to write in film? Nice. Nice. All right. Next tournament is Saturday in New York. I, I can't do Saturday. I'm, I got plans. I can't do it. I'm sorry, what? It, it, it's just I got this thing. I, I just Don't got this thing. It. You still it to me for another 200K. Wait, hold on a second. So I got this thing. Now, you say that if like you're in real life and you got to think of an excuse real fast. But it, this is a scripted show. So like you say, I got this thing when you're lying. I, I guess that maybe they're trying to say that Ali's lying. But why not have Ali give an excuse? I've got my sister's wedding on Saturday. Um I was going to go out with my buddies to go skiing on Saturday. Uh, again, I, I got plans. I, 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 I got this thing. What? A fucking thing? So, you're doing it. Buying's already taken care of. It's ten players. One player takes home a million. A mill. A mill. A mill. One million dollars. 
That's enough to settle my makeup in one shot. I could even clear 400 k for myself. Look, even if you don't win, you make sure that that Gavon Danny Pellegrino don't win his own fucking tournament. And on that, settled. Asshole. He knows I can't go back there, but yet he still invites me every fucking time. Hey, maybe he's just trying to be polite. He's being a prick. And besides... I kind of like that music compared to the dramatic music. So Ali gets out of the car. Uh, so basically, uh, Ali, despite having a thing on Saturday, uh, he's going to be going to New York. I don't know where this is supposed to take place, but uh, he's going to be going to New York to play a $200,000 buy-in tournament. And Manny Sanko's already bought him in. And million-dollar prize. And Ali got told that even if he doesn't win, as long as he knocks out some rival of Manny's and that guy doesn't win, then Ali's 200K in makeup plus the 200K that cost to enter this tournament uh, will be wiped out. Pretty good deal. I, I don't blame Ali for taking it. So Ali walks away, and this has nothing to do with the rest of the episodes. Absolutely nothing. So now what they're showing here is someone walking a bag into the bank and a character you haven't seen yet with a mustache is taking the bag. This is the last money. It's everything? Yeah. Every account in the South Bay is clean. I kind of feel like I should be having sex with some woman on camera in the 70s. Oh my god, look at that bush. They didn't have bushes like that in the 80s. Oh, sorry, wrong film. Now, this is a weird thing because he loads the money in this safe that's sitting like out in plain sight in his office. And then he closes the safe. So like there's cash already in the safe and he puts cash in and takes some out. It it kind of looks like nothing really happened. Like he took cash out. He put cash in. But it looks like nothing was done. Let me look at that again here. He's opening up the safe. Let's see that again. There's already money in there. I see money already in there. He's taking some money out. He's putting in the bag. He's taking some more money out. Oh, no, he didn't put anything back in. He was reaching for his phone. I, I saw that wrong. Anyway, so he took some money out of the safe, but he left some in there. He threw it in a bag in addition to some money that was already brought to him just earlier. Now he's dialing up on his cell phone. Boom, 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 boom. I want the soundtrack to this thing. I'm going to break out this music when I'm with Benjamin's mom. An intimate moment. So he's telling Mark now to lock up. So now, now you're seeing how it's coming together. He's telling Mark, the guy who wants to rob these safety boxes. 
who's working at the bank here. He's the last one here, and the guy with the mustache who took the shady cash and is now going outside with a bag full of cash is telling Mark, you lock up. So, ah, Mark and his boss are both shady. Hmm. Drama. So now Mark sneaks back in. He's searching throughout that office to find a way into that safe. Somehow the safety deposit box thing is no longer a thing anymore. Like, he he's not going to break into those anymore. He's not going to hack anything anymore. He sees the safe, somehow knows that there's money in there. And somehow the safe is not locked. Somehow he just opens it up and the safe was never locked. Don't explain why or how. Here's the guy with the mustache of the money. Jesus, Mickey, you scared the crap out of me. I, I was just on my way to you. So you got my money? Of course I got your money. I just... Uh, I, so I, now I, there's another badass here. This is not the same badass as Manny Sanko. This is a different badass who's with the guy, the bank manager. Need a little time, a couple days, you know, to get, to get it out all the... Now it appears a hashtag on the bottom left saying, hashtag, where's my money? Like, like you're supposed to tweet this out after watching the show. I'm really enjoying watching bullets. Hashtag, where's my money? Counts. You got money in, in nearly 100 banks. You had two weeks. Two. Mickey, look, I, I, I know. I know, all right? It's just, it's just, if we don't do this the right way, they flag us, and then we all go to jail. I just need more time. So what's this? It's your money. Half, half of it, anyway. Like I, like I said, I was just on my way to you. Good. Want the rest of it tomorrow? Wait, wait, Mickey, I can't guarantee it. Don't fuck with me, Frank. You're a smart guy. I don't want to see you get hurt. Now, the manager face palms, literally. Not clear why he didn't give the guy the whole money and left all that extra money in the safe, but we never find out why. Because this guy gets killed later in the series. I hate to give away the spoiler here. Hi, honey. No, everything is fine. It's no, fine. everything fine. is fine. Was he from Minnesota? No, everything is fine. What the hell? Where does this take place? Hi, honey. No, everything is fine. It's fine, fine. Look, we're just going to have to leave a little later than planned, okay? Something came up. Now Mark shows up to Hugo with the bag full of cash with a big shit-eating grin on his face. And that's the end. I'm bullets. He took a bag full of cash from a bank that... This is next time. We both work at. The FBI comes knocking down your door. I had nothing to do with it, Okay. I really need you to introduce us to uh, Manny Senko. No, hell no, man. Hell. I just want to play poker with him. Ashley wants a divorce? She says I have a gambling problem. It's not a problem if you're winning. All right. Uh, the chat room's already sick of this. The, <laughs> the chat room doesn't want to hear anymore. How much did you steal? 
I borrowed what? a million. What? A million dollars? What? Are you crazy? Enough for the both of us. What is this going on here? I don't want right? this to play again. I don't want this to play again. What is it doing? All right. So... I watched all six episodes. If you want to see the rest of it, you can just go on YouTube and look for Bullets. I think you look for the username Bullets TV, and you can watch all six of them. I mean, I guess it's something to do if you're bored. But uh, here's what I, I thought of the whole series after watching it. Uh, I guess the two good things were the production value was fairly good for a low-budget web series. And the basic premise of the show was good. If you think about it, you know, two low limit chumps steal a million dollars from their employer in order to enter the world of high stakes poker. You know, right there, I'm kind of interested. But that's about it. They they took a good premise and produced it pretty well. But, but, the acting ranges from bad to terrible. The villain, who you didn't see that much of, Manny Sanko, all he does the whole time is yell and scream and act psychotic. Like, not even in a charming way. He just yells and curses constantly with... Without any kind of real rhyme or reason. Uh, They will later introduce two cops in a very, very cliche cop sort of subplot where you have the the mismatched partners where uh, one cop loses his partner and you're you're just coming in as the new partner shows up and doesn't match up very well with with the original partner. And then there's a subplot of Manny Sanko having killed the previous partner of this cop, and uh, they were also lovers. Not Manny Sanko and the cop, but the cop and his partner were, you know, a female partner. They were going to get married, and Manny killed her, and now, now the cop is mad and wants revenge. I mean, this is so lame to write into a poker show. Uh, the setup of the million-dollar buy-in poker game that they're going to show in a future episode is awful. It's on a fold-up poker table, using those same Kmart-style chips that uh, they showed earlier. (laughs) How many million-dollar buy-in poker games do you know played on a fold-up poker table you can buy buy for, like, 99 bucks and poker chips you can buy for, like, 30 bucks? Also, there's no dealers in that game. You deal your own cards in this uh, million-dollar buy-in game. So they couldn't even spring for an actor to play the dealer. Uh, the poker play itself is terrible. Every hand involved pocket aces and pocket kings, usually dealt together in a six-handed game within a short period of time. Uh, no hands are realistic. Uh, they weren't even clear that it was a $1 million sit-and-go, $1 million buy-in sit-and-go until near the end. You, you at first think it's a cash game, and it's kind of hard to understand what's going on. Uh, then it turns out, a twist, that one of the million-dollar players was an undercover FBI agent. And there's a really dumb... End subplot involving that. Anyway, in general, the writing is pretty awful. The filmmakers, they, they had a few strengths. They, they had a good premise. They could, uh, they came up with a, you know, they had the good premise. They had the good production quality, but boy, was the writing bad. They should have gotten a different writer. They should have gotten someone who's good at writing, and they should have gotten some better actors. These actors were mostly horrible, even for web series standards. I mean, I could have done better. And you know when Ali Islami is the best actor in the whole thing. And listen to the clips I played. I, Ali really was the most convincing actor. And that's pretty sad. You know you have problems if Ali outacts your entire crew. So that is Bullets. 
and uh, they did raise their entire 18K. This was last year. So this is the result. This and five other episodes was the result of the 18K. I don't know if they're expecting more. Uh, they are actively tweeting on their Twitter. If you want to take a look at it, it's Bullets TV. And they've tweeted as recently as yesterday. So it claims to have the following honors. Uh, winner, Outstanding Producing, L.A. Web Series Festival 2013. Semi-finalist, Next TV Entertainment Festival 2013. And Official Selection, Hollyweb Festival 2013. Do they really have these festivals? Are there really three different festivals? The Hollyweb Festival, the Next TV Entertainment Festival, and the L.A. Web Series Festival? Like, do people get together and give awards for these type of things? Wow. Anyway, uh, I guess they had an idea for this dating back to November 2011 because that's when they joined Twitter under Bullets TV. It has a whopping 301 followers. So, hasn't really caught on. I don't know why people even try to make these. I guess this would be okay as like a student film for a film class, but this was really an attempt to make something compelling and interesting and failed pretty badly. All right, uh, let me read some texts. This is from the 954. I would like to ask the PFA community for a moment of silence. I would like to dedicate this moment to our fallen brother, SMI Florida, who on his trip to the Bahamas contracted... Ebola. It's too bad. Loved that guy, Sauce. So apparently an Ebola joke already here. And SMI Florida supposedly has it, but fortunately we have his $25 that he donated to the free roll before he got Ebola. So at least we get that out of him, regardless of what happens from this point forward. At least he contributed something here. Next, uh... 773 area code. Shout out to Senor Pockles. This looks like it came from someone who didn't want me to have their phone number because they sent it from a service called Haywire Free Texting. So someone who was afraid for me to have their phone number used a free web text service to text me, shout out to Senor Pockles. I promise I won't give out your phone number. I promise you. There's only one way I'll give you out your phone number, and that's if you intentionally harass me. If you're going to prank me all the day and night, if you're going to harass me in real life, then I'll probably give out your phone number. Otherwise, I will never give out your phone number. Even if I have to ban you from this site, I will not give out your phone number. You don't have to text me from Haywire. For the 202 area code, have you given up on Brandon returning in any real capacity? I wouldn't say given up, but, you know, if he comes back, he comes back. I'd like if he came back, but, you know, he has his moods. He wants to come back, then he loses enthusiasm, then he wants to come back again. But he does lurk here. He does lurk. Like, I'll talk to him. He'll he'll tell me all about all the threads he read here. So he, he lurks. He just uh, – and he's never been that much of a poster, so it's not even like he's hiding here. He just, uh, just kind of likes to lurk when he's bored here, and maybe one day he'll come back. I hope he does. All right, uh, someone was trying to call in during the segment. 
I see Kevmath is uh, saying in chat, someone should use the where's my money hashtag when it comes to uh, getting their money back from Locker UB. <laughs> yeah. Of course, no one's going to laugh because no one will have watched that. It'll be a reference nobody gets. So uh, S-double, he's the one who tried to call in from the 410 area code. Go ahead and call in. Go ahead, S-double. I'm ready to take your call. Make the call. Oh, see, Kev Math, see, it's funny. I never know how these things are going to be taken by the audience. Like, sometimes I'll play these things and people love them. Other times I play this and people, like, can't wait for it to be over. So this time the chat room did not enjoy what I did here, but Kev Math enjoyed it. He liked when I was singing over that uh, dramatic music. All right, S-Double, hello. Hey. Hi. Can you just call Amy's Bakery and satisfy everybody? I, I can, but we're going to get the same thing. Here, I'll call them right now. We're, we're going to get the same thing. We're going to get that weird beep that everyone thinks is a fax machine but isn't. And I'll try it. We tried it two weeks in a row. Right. One week when they were closed. One week when they were open for a long time after when we called. And we got the same weird thing. They probably got like a ton of prank calls. But I'll try. What number do you have? What number do you have for them? I have four eight zero. You have the Scotts, the Scottsdale number or the Paradise Valley? Uh, the, they're pretty much the same thing, Scottsdale and Paradise Valley. But uh, actually, I'm seeing that they are. I'm sorry. Yeah, four eight zero six zero seven zero six seven seven. I I can't believe I know that. Never having lived in Phoenix, but yeah, Scottsdale, Paradise Valley is part of Scottsdale. Okay. I wish I, I wish I didn't just, know that, but it 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 is. We'll satisfy everybody in the chat if you at least call. Well, I'm calling right now. We'll see if it happens. Thanks, Joe. Oh, hold on. Nah. Answer your damn phone, you stupid bitch! I think it hung up. No, it hangs up. It doesn't even let you leave a message. Oh wait, no, no, it is. It's not hung up. Hey, pick up. Pick up. Pick up. Pick, pick up the phone. Ah, it hung up. I wonder if they're monitoring the calls. Let's try it again. I guess I should have started out more friendly than that. <laughs> now they're never going to pick up. Pick up. Now, see, it's hanging up. I can tell. I can totally tell it's hanging up. It just hasn't dropped the line yet. It just answers and hangs up. Call from unknown caller. Someone's calling Press one. Maybe Tammy oh, Baker calling back. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Jeff. Yes. Hey, uh, you could try dialing plus one from the number on the site, because sometimes if they have two or three lines, they have them, uh, you know, you could try a plus one and possibly get them. No, I did it. I, I did plus one. I, I'm, it's definitely calling 480. You can try it yourself, 480-607-0677. No, no, no. Right, but I'm saying if you add one to the number, oh, okay. I think meant... the caller saying call 0678. I see, I see. Yeah, no, I thought you meant plus one before it, but okay, I, I get no, it. No, no. I get it. All right. You know how that works. You, that, that's, that's a good suggestion. I'll try it right now. Okay, very good. Okay, thank you. So let's uh, – caller dropped a good suggestion on me. I mean, I'll be honest here. This is something that's more likely to have worked like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but I'll try it. It's just uh, you know, people don't have two lines anymore. 
I wonder if this poor person with this phone number has gotten harassed for this very reason or someone misdialing. Yeah, I really wish I could reach them. I'll have to see if we can, like, maybe... You have reached the law office of Dorothy no. Brogan. I'm out of town and away. No. Dorothy Brogan is going to sue me if I continue to call that number. Well, it was worth a shot, but it looks like just calling Amy's Baking Company, you just always get that first ring answer machine that hangs up immediately. You, like, you hear the beep, and they're not screening their calls. They go here, like, beep, click. And the reason it didn't disconnect immediately is when a phone hangs up on you, sometimes it takes several seconds or sometimes up to 30 seconds for it to actually drop the line. So we're getting nowhere. All right. Thanks, Joel. All right. No problem. Thank you, S-Double. So I tried. I tried. Let's move on to the next topic here. Chad is saying, I got through when I called, but her answer machine at Amy's Baker, I, I, I don't know what they're saying here. Like, I've never gotten anything but that. And it's not someone saying, oh, maybe you're calling from an unknown number. I'm actually, I'm calling from a Skype number, which shows up as like 661 area code when I call, which isn't really my number, but it, it appears to be a real number. And this is not a blocking, it's not a blocked call. This is an answer machine. It's like an old school answer machine from the 80s or the 90s answering the phone on the first ring and hanging up. There's no advanced technology here rejecting my call. I promise you that. It's like having an answer machine set to answer in the first ring, which is full. That's what's going on here, basically. I recognize that type of beep. But if you guys in the chat want to try it, go ahead. And if you can find a way through there and tell me how you do it, then I will take the steps here to get through myself. I have my ways as well. But I think we're going to get the same thing no matter what. But I would like to get through. Alrighty. Well, the Mandalay Bay, their poker room, it's a small poker room. You know, the Mandalay Bay is a big casino, big hotel. You pass it on the 15. It's one of the first things you see as you get into Vegas. You see the South Point, and then you get past that, and the first sign of real civilization in Vegas, the first sign of like that you've really hit the strip coming from the South, is the Mandalay Bay. So there's the Mandalay Bay, and then there's attached to it something that says The Hotel, which is known as The Hotel at Mandalay Bay. So these are two big properties, and you would expect these two big high-end properties to have a big high-end poker room, but that's not how it is. Their poker room is actually very small, and I, I think it runs one table of like one three no limit. And it's not at all what you would expect of the Mandalay Bay. So someone was playing there, a two plus two user, and he was very unhappy with what occurred, and I don't blame him. He was a little bit stupid with allowing this to happen, but I'll read his story for you. This is a guy who posts on 2 plus 2 as PowerHow5, P-O-W-R-H-A-U-5. He's kind of trying to say powerhouse, kind of like Deadmau5 is really Deadmau5, but whatever. 
Here is what he said. Subject, got screwed at Mandalay Bay. So was in Vegas for a friend's birthday recently and stayed at the hotel at Mandalay. Anyway, first night we get back to the room at about 3 a.m. and I go looking for a cash game. Found a 1-3 game in their tiny poker room and having a good time for about an hour and this annoying hand happens. I brick out a flush draw after calling a turn bet in position and I'm prepared to fold to any bet on the river. An old regular, I don't know if he means like an old man, but an old regular asks, how much will you call? I'm kind of drunk and having fun and I jokingly say, I'll probably call 80. So he's really going to fold, but he's just kind of messing with the guy. I'll probably call 80. So the guy bets 80 and he just snap folds. So he kind of, yeah. I'm sure inside he's giggling. Like he tells the guy, yeah, I'll probably call 80. So then the guy bets 80 and he just immediately folds. Well, after he folds, the old regular there says, it starts freaking out and says that he has to call. He says they stop the action and get the floor. And the floor, after hearing both sides, rules that he owes the guy $80. Can you believe that? They owe him $80, even though he didn't actually call it. What the hell? So, that's pretty bad. So he asked, how much will you call if I bet? He said 80. He says, okay, I bet 80. Oh, no, no, I fold. Nope, sorry, you called that. No, he didn't. So he then gives this the speech of, you're going to have to learn the rules the hard way. That's the, uh, I'm not sure if it was the, uh, the, the old regular or the floor man who said that. He says, my issue was is that the action wasn't even on me when I said this. And all I said is that I'll probably call 80. Anyway, this is super tilting and couldn't have been the correct ruling, right? And I agree, it couldn't have been. Uh, first of all, he said he's probably going to call 80. That doesn't mean he will. What if he says there's like a 50% chance I'll call 80? Does that mean he's forced to call? What if he says there's a 10% chance? Does that mean he's forced to call? What if he says, well, it's a, a 90% chance? Does that mean he has to call? Like, a, What does that even mean? I'll probably call 80. How does that mean you call? Especially when it hasn't been bet yet. The action was not on him. He says, how much will you call? I'll probably call 80. Okay, I bet 80. Okay, well, then it's your decision. And his decision was fold. Well, I, I don't have to go into this for very long. You guys all know that this is a dumb ruling. Uh, some people said this guy was an idiot to say things like this, why even put this slightly in doubt? Why not just keep your mouth closed or say, you know, go ahead and bet and you'll see or whatever. But, you know, don't say I'll probably call 80. That just opens up something like this to happen. So the guy was kind of dumb to say that, but he's kind of drunk. Now, someone suggested, hey, wait a minute. Maybe since this guy was so drunk, he actually says, I'll call 80. didn't use the word probably, or maybe nobody heard the word probably. But apparently that's not what it is because others have chimed in that things like this have happened at the Mandalay Bay before. This is not the first time. And that they have very weird and strict rules over there that if you say anything like that, that you are forced to call the bet. So, of course, the regulars, their angle shoot big time and then get the floor to rule in their favor all the time. I wonder also if they're tipping the floor to make them rule in their favor all the time. So... Uh, nobody would listen to him. He tried to complain. Nobody would listen to him. Uh, now, keep in mind, he didn't have to pay the $80 by law. 
Uh, something you should know if you ever get screwed like this and you don't really care about the poker room you're playing in. Unless you've put money into the pot, you are not forced to actually call the bet. You're not forced to give the money even if you say I call. Now, when I say you're not forced, they will probably 86 you from the room and from the property from doing that to where you'll never be able to come back. But they cannot legally force you to pay unless you've actually put your money out. So even if you're in a high-stakes game and a guy says, I bet 100000 and I say, I call, and I've got hundred k in front of me, if he flips over the winning hand, I actually could say, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't call. I'm leaving. And I could pick up my chips and leave, and they could not arrest me. It would be a scummy thing to do, but you can do it. So I'm not suggesting you screw people like this. In fact, the reverse has happened where people do call and then you know choose not to pay, and then they find out, unfortunately, that that's the way it is. So you should never flip over your cards, by the way, until the other person puts his money in the pot. But the way the law works is that your money is not actually bet until it's actually in the pot, until you've actually bet it physically. If you say you're betting it, that doesn't count. So if something like this happens to you where there's an unfair ruling against you and you haven't put your money in the pot yet, you do have the right to get up and just leave and not put the money in the pot. You'll probably get banned from the casino, but you do have a right to cash out and leave. Anyway, this guy didn't do it. This guy just put in the 80 and argued and argued and they just told him tough luck. So... Uh, He went on to write, it was a weird poker experience. Uh, And never mind, it's about something else that's not worth reading. But anyway. The 2 plus 2 thread, they ended up talking about how this goes on a lot over there. This is a problem at the Mandalay Bay. There's a lot of angle shooting. There's a lot of weird rules there that you wouldn't expect, like this one. And there's nowhere to find these rules published. So you can't even walk in and say, give me a list of your rules and figure out the non-standard rules there. You have to learn them as you go along. So it's a terrible situation. They just make up these odd rules that uh, you only learn about when it uh, happens the hard way for you. So this is really bad. And I think it's time for Alvin Finkelstein to call up the Mandalay Bay ask for the poker room, hopefully I'll get through, and pretend to represent this powerhouse five or powerhouse guy and demand his $80 back. I'm sure this guy won't mind, whoever he is. And if he does mind, then he can just play them this show and prove that this is all just a prank call. But it's a semi-prank call because I, I really do want to get an answer to this. from the I want to hear how the Mandalay Bay explains this. So let's uh, call them up. You know, we just go directly to the source here on Poker Fraud on the Radio. We, we don't just speculate. If we have someone to call about the situation, we will call them. I'm not afraid to make these calls and get the answer. Mr. Finkelstein, you can take it from here. Thank you for calling Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. This call may be monitored for quality assurance. For room reservations, please press 1. For the concierge, please press 2. To reach a hotel guest or speak with an operator, please press 0. Please hold on while I try that extension. Hi, it's Nick Romero. Hope you can join me at my... 
Hello? Hello, is anybody there? Hello? Well, this isn't off to a good start. I love how LOL Wow, aka Gay Sex, is in the chat, just bashing everything I do on the show. Now you can facepalm. I mean, what am I supposed to do here? Thank you for calling Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. Oh, the chat's just so hard on me. Hold on while I try that extension. The chat is being so hard on me. With an all new tier structure. Like their phone system's broken. What am I supposed to do? Hello? Can you stop your conversation for a second? What the? Do they know I'm calling them? This is the second time. What the hell is going on here? No, the, it's not the voice because they. I, we don't even get that far here. I won't even speak this time. I won't even speak this time. Hold on while I try that extension. I won't even speak this time. Okay. The estate. So you guys have no idea what you're talking about. This is not my the voice I'm using. The the Alvin Finkelstein voice is not an outrageous voice. It's not like the the uh, the Chico Loco vo- voice or something or the Indian voice. This it, it's not an outrageous voice. And as you saw, I just called and it just sat there. There's something wrong with the phone system, but I, I'm not going to let this deter me. I'm going to get the phone number, the direct phone number, of the poker room. And let's see here. It's Mandalay Bay Poker Room phone number. I mean, that's how bad we run on this show, that the Mandalay Bay, I cannot get an operator on the phone. And I guarantee it's not from anything I'm doing or have done in the past. Yeah, I got the phone number here. Let me try this direct poker room phone number. Ah, there we go. Good evening, Mandalay Poker Room. This is Lynn. Can I help you? Uh, yes, uh, this is Alvin Finkelstein. Uh, can I speak to the poker room manager, please? Okay, hold one second, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Mandalay Bay Poker Room, this is Joe speaking. How may I assist you? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Alvin Finkelstein, and... Uh, I, I'm uh, actually the, the, an attorney representing a uh, my client who, who played in this room uh, a number of days ago. I, I don't have the exact date in front of me. But I, I do want to discuss with you uh, what occurred here, and I want to understand the the house rules of this poker room so we can see where we can head. All right, Alvin. Um, I understand that. Unfortunately, I'm not the correct guy to talk to. My supervisor, Kay White is the one who you'd actually want to be in contact with, and she's out of the room for the rest of the night. Oh. If you'd like, I can give you a callback number. You can call tomorrow afternoon when she'll be back in the room. Is, I'll is make the sure I give her a note for you. Is, is it uh, 632-7790? That is it, sir. Yeah, so so just let me ask you a question, just a general question then, if you don't mind. Um, yes. If, if somebody asks you on the river of a hand, if they say, how much would you call if I bet? But he doesn't bet yet. He just asks the question. The action's on, on, on the first player and says, how much would you call if I bet? And the second player says, ah, I'll probably call $100. Does 
So then the first player comes back and says, okay, I bet $100. Does the second player have an option to fold at that point, or has he already committed himself to $100? Unfortunately, Alvin, I'm unable to discuss this over the phone. Why not? This is a general question about the rules of the room. And what if I, what if I, I, what if I want to come down and play? I'm unable to discuss that. What if I want to come down and play the room, though? You're telling me yeah, you can't tell me the rules of the room until I no, get there? No, no. If you come in the room and you want to play and something like that happens, I'll happily make the ruling for you. But No, no, no. But shouldn't I, shouldn't I understand the, the rules? Shouldn't players understand the rules before they play? Um, yes, but this is a different circumstance. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm asking you about a circumstance. I'm saying I want to come down to the room and play, and I want to know if this happens... What the ruling is, so I understand how to behave during the game. So, so can you tell me hypothetically what the rule would be? Unfortunately, in that... unfortunately, I can't tell you that hypothetically. Okay, I'll... forget hypothetically. What's the official ruling? What are the uh, what's the I, official I, rule? Yeah, house rules here. I'm unable to give you a hypothetical. Why? Answer. Why are the house rules a secret? House rules aren't a secret. Okay, secret so what is the house rule regarding someone asking? I'm not able to discuss this over the phone. So you can't you, you can't discuss the, the house rules over the phone. K White. So I don't want to rush you off the phone or anything you're like not, that. You're not allowed to give the house rules over the phone is what you're saying. No, unfortunately, I can't. I cannot discuss any of that matter with you over the no, phone. No, no, not that matter. A general matter. You cannot give me house know, rules un- over the phone? Un- unfortunately, Alvin, I'm not going to be able to discuss anything further with you. You cannot give me house rules over the phone. If I come, if I come in, can I get all the house rules in person? If you come in, I will happily give you... Um, yeah, if you come in, Alvin, I'll happily give you everything. And can but I have them in, can I have them in writing? The can I have them in writing? In writing, I'm sure I can find a printout for you. If not, make one. Of all the house rules. Okay, I'm, I will come in there. Um, not, I don't know if it will be tonight, but I'm going to come in at some point soon, and I'm going to request a copy of the house rules so we can That's understand absolutely fine. What, what the rules What are. I would recommend doing, Alvin, yes. is maybe if you cannot come in tomorrow, give us another call then. I'll have Kay. I'll fill Kay in on what your questions were and see if she can have something ready for you or if she's even able to do that. Okay. Okay. I mean, there, there has to be a way to get the house rules. Otherwise, it's not right. fair. Right. No, no, I understand. I mean, we have rules posted, you know, how much we take for the rake. And yeah, but that's, that's not this question. For, for any, any non-standard I, I rule has about, to be – anything – any non-standard rule has to be communicated to the players when they ask for it. That is, that is the law. Right. And unfortunately, because we're – I cannot discuss any – discuss this matter with you right now. I don't understand why not. Why is me being on the phone or being in person matter? Um, unfortunately, I can't really, I'm just not allowed to do any <laughs> You can't tell me why that is either. Out. I mean, that's, uh, I just, I just want to know the rules. That's what I, I can understand. You can't discuss, uh, you don't want to discuss matters of my client specifically over the phone. That's, exactly. that's understandable. But, and, but, but giving me the but, general rules should be always something you will do. Uh, you, you call uh, any place in, in town, in they'll this, give you the rules. In this specific situation, Alvin, I won't be able, I'm unable to do that, which is why I, I've directed you or you already have the number. To our poker room six three two seven seven nine zero. Kay White is who mm-hmm. you want to speak to, and she will be here tomorrow. And what time sure. does she typically leave? Um, she will definitely be here at eight p.m. I can tell you. Oh, she'll be here at eight p.m. She will definitely be here at eight p.m. Is tomorrow. Tuesday a day off for her? What, what days can she be reached usually? Um, she was here actually earlier today. She left um, just over an hour ago, so you just okay. missed her. So she left a little bit early tonight, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, All right. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll try to reach her on another night, but uh, thanks All for right. the information. And, and I'll get, definitely give her a heads up for you, okay, Alvin? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Alvin. I like the patronizing attitude there. Thank you, Alvin. Okay, Alvin. Okay, Alvin. But he didn't think it was a prank call. He just didn't want to be cooperative. Okay, Alvin.
I mean, why not give the rules over the phone? That's really shady. I can understand if he says, look, I can't discuss this guy's situation unless you show up in person and prove that you're really representing him. That totally makes sense. But that's not what he was saying. He's just like, no, over the phone, we're not giving you the rules of this poker room. You can ask us a question about how you would rule in this situation. What is the rule in this situation in this room? And we cannot tell you. It's a secret. It is a secret for some reason. That's a really shady place. I don't know if this is just stupidity where they are... They they came up with a dumb rule about if you say anything related to I call something that they force you to call and they're just over-enforcing it because they're idiots or if they're doing this on purpose to pacify the regulars who keep the room active and or because they get tipped by these people. But something weird is going on there. Something really weird is going on and this isn't like a little shady poker room somewhere downtown. I mean, this this is the Mandalay Bay. They're representing the Mandalay Bay here. Anything shady that goes on there reflects badly upon the Mandalay Bay. So that's why it surprised me. If this happened at uh, the El Cortez or something, I'd say, all right, well, I expect that. But the Mandalay Bay, I mean, they have to have some sort of standard there. JSTAT is saying to call Nevada Gaming. Well, I can't call Nevada Gaming because I was not actually there for it. I I can't make a complaint for something I did not witness. But, yeah, I would have called Nevada Gaming if I was in that guy's shoes. But he was drunk, and it was over $80, and he was probably like, this is unfair. Okay, whatever. Here's my 80 bucks. I'm going to play the next hand. I mean, that's the way it went. Boy, this place sounds shady. Of all things, the Mandalay Bay. So while we didn't get information from that phone call, I think the fact that they wouldn't give information is information. All right, so let's talk about Doug Lee, another angle shot. But there's really no one I'm going to call about this one. But we'll talk about it. Now, this was from Gabo Boy, who's a freak and a very weird dude, according to Howard Letterer. But Gabo Boy, he's a nice guy, and yeah, he has a good reputation for being honest. He's, uh, he's not known as a liar or a shit starter or a drama queen. Gabo Boy is a little bit strange, but he's not someone that you'd see his story and not believe him. I've never, ever known Gabo Boy to lie. So this is his story about Doug Lee. Under the gum, this is at the uh, the Planet Hollywood a tournament there, five hundred dollar tournament for uh, I think five hundred k guarantee. Under the gun shoves for like six hundred k at thirty k sixty k blinds. Middle position calls of the big stack. Doug says, "All in two million from the big blind really quickly." I'm right next to him, and he clearly only has like 1.35 to 1.4 million. He has seven 40 stacks, that means stacks of 40, of 5K chips. Before I can say anything, the big stack says 2 million, 
And Doug says, yes. And the big stack folds. Of course, thinking that he has to call $2 million. Doug then wins with Ace-King versus 5-5. Five, five. Uh, so, you know, against the end of the gun person who already shoved. I say something as they're ship- shipping the chips to him, and he called me a fat internet loser. Very witty, sir. Floors do nothing for the massive angle or the insults after. Was considering a new thread about this. This was really bad tonight, guys. He stole thousands of dollars in equity from people at the table, myself included. He's a total scumbag asshole. Wow. Gobble Boy's pretty pissed off here. Pretty pissed off here. Wow. Hmm. He's a total scumbag asshole. Hmm. The sound effect ready and it's not working. Never mind. <sighs> Always some fail on this show. There we go. This is what I wanted. There's what I wanted to play. Kind of anticlimactic now. <laughs> okay, so uh, so that's what Gabo Boy said. Uh, actually, there's more to this. He said, this was straight up cheating. After his insulting rant, which everyone at the table heard, no one really spoke up or pressed for something to be done, and the floors did absolutely nothing besides give a really poorly worded warning for, quote, no one to do anything like what was done again. Doug gets away with this shit time after time. It's really not funny when it happens to you in a spot where there's so much money at stake. Shame on Planet Hollywood for not having the guts to do the right thing. Even a fucking one-hand penalty would make me feel better. They did a lot of stupid shit during this tournament, but letting someone get away with this is fucking inexcusable. Wow. Now, Joe Tall, another uh, respected 2 plus 2 poster, chimed in, and he pretty much backed the story. He said, I was there. I don't even know who Doug Lee is other than some huge NVG thread I've never followed. It happened very fast for what it's worth, all in stride with a poker hand, and all is true to what uh, Gobba Boy said except for this. Where several said, what the hell, Doug, you don't, have, you don't call anyone a nerd here. If anyone at this table should call someone something, it shouldn't be you. And how many chips you got, Doug, and Doug gives some number. Is that this much or is it amount, amount inflated by 50%? Is that the way they're needling him? It's pretty weak. I believe Jimmy was busy talking with the floor when these comments rained down on Doug. I can't imagine that affected him too much. <laughs> hey, Doug, uh... Do you have two million, or might it be three million? <laughs> Did you inflate it again? <laughs> Not a very good comeback. But okay, uh, sticking to the main point. Obviously, this was an angle shot. Doug had ace king. He wanted to be up against only the short stack. He didn't want to have it be a three-way all-in. So he wanted to force the big stack out. He didn't want to be busted out at this point. He was willing to lose about half his stack to the short stack, but he didn't want to go against someone that could bust him with the ace-king in this three-way pot. So he says, all in two million, 
to where this way, if uh, the big stack doesn't have a good enough hand to call off $2 million, he'll fold and that much more money will go in the pot and he doesn't have to fade that guy's cards. And if the guy would call $2 million, well, then you know, he's calling anyway. So this way he's getting an extra fold here that he normally wouldn't, maybe. And it may have worked. The guy didn't say whether he would have folded for $1.4 million instead of $2 million. But keep in mind, $1.4 is only like 800000 above the... Uh, the 600K is already in there. So under the gun, shove 600K. Middle position with a big stack, call 600K. Doug from the big blind shoves 1.4 but claims it's 2. And the middle stack with a 600K, the guy with the big stack, the guy in the middle position, folds. For another 800,000, he's probably calling. Unless he's got a really crap hand. So... This is definitely an angle shoot, especially given Doug Lee's history of angle shooting. Doug Lee does not have a stellar salt-of-the-earth history in poker. He's known to do stuff like this. Now, what really gets Gobbo Boy's goat is that not only was nothing done about this, other than some kind of weak warning about nobody do anything like this again, but also when he called... Gobble Boy names a fat internet nerd, nothing happened. Now, by itself, calling someone a fat internet nerd should not necessarily get a, a penalty. You can't penalize people for everything at the poker tables. People will sometimes not get along, and as long as it doesn't go too far uh, you know, and it stops, then you shouldn't penalize someone just for saying something mean to someone else at the table. But definitely the angle shot should have been penalized. They should have given him like a one-round penalty for this and told him he'll be disqualified if he pulls this again or something like that. The tournament director has the authority to give a penalty for anything he wants at any time he wants. He doesn't have to justify it with any written rule. He can say, I'm giving you a penalty because I feel like you're angle shooting here and I don't like this in my tournament. And that penalty would stand... Doug would have to take the penalty. Doug would have no basis of any kind of complaint or legal claim based upon this penalty, nor would anyone have sympathy for Doug Lee with this penalty, especially because Doug Lee is Doug Lee. Maybe if this happened to a highly respected player, maybe people would say, hey, I don't like that penalty, but I don't think so either. But especially with Doug Lee, no one would ever take his side and say, oh, you shouldn't have been penalized there. If he tried to complain about this in public, he would be laughed off 2 plus 2 or wherever else he took the complaint. I agree that the Planet Hollywood staff was spineless to do nothing about to do to not do anything about this. And I think this sets a bad precedent that you can angle shoot, get caught, and get away with it, and nothing will happen. Other than people being angry, or maybe you getting some weak warning. There should be examples made out of obvious angle shooters. But it seems like there is not. It seems like they care about all the wrong things in these tournaments. I've told this story before, but I think it's worth repeating. In 2010, on day six of the main event, I mean, talk about a very high equity spot. Talk about a spot that you do not want to lose any kind of equity there. Day six of the main event with a $9 million first prize. Fewer than 200 people left. And... Someone raised 
I thought it folded back to me in the big blind, and I had 8-3 offsuit. So I just flipped over my cards to show my 8-3 offsuit that I'm folding. Part of the reason I like doing that in that type of situation in a tournament is just to show, hey, my blind's not that easy to steal. I don't like when my blind gets picked on, and I like to disincentivize picking my blind. And when I fold my blind, I don't want him to think, hey, this middle-aged white guy, it's easy to steal from him. So... I'll turn over something like 8-3 and show them if I've got a total trash hand saying, hey, it's not that you're stealing my blind. It's because I got 83 offsuits. That's, that's why I turn it over. So I turned over my 8-3 offsuit and showed him, and it turned out that I was wrong because there was a cold caller on the other side of the table that I didn't see well. And he had called, but I didn't really see. His chips kind of blended in with the table. So it turned out I exposed my cards during action, which is against the rules technically. So they gave me a one-round penalty during day six of the main event for something that everyone agreed was harmless and was an accident. I was not purposely turning over my cards just to be a jerk or to give anyone information. It was very clear what I was doing and they could have easily forgave it and nobody would have cared. Oddly enough, Theo Tran did the exact same thing as me at almost the exact same time on day six of the main event and also got a penalty. We served our penalties at the same time for the exact same thing, exposing cards in the big blind when we thought that it had been raised and folded to us. So he got one too. That doesn't make me feel better. Anyway, why are they penalizing me and Theo Tran for things like that? Harmless, innocent, accidental things like that, but not penalizing things like what Doug Lee is doing there. And you can't even say, well, different companies. No, it's not. They're both Caesars Entertainment. Planet Hollywood is Caesars Entertainment. And it's associated with the World Series. And obviously the Rio is Caesars Entertainment, the World Series. Four years apart, but I think they do the same thing today. It's just like, for a while, they had a lot of these rules in card rooms everywhere that if you utter the word fuck for any reason, you get a penalty. So, let's say you take a bad beat and you say to yourself, ah, fuck, and throw your hand away. Not directed at anyone, just kind of irritated. Or or you make a dumb call and say, fuck, like, like you're just frustrated with yourself. That you get a penalty for. Not anymore, but it used to be that way a few years ago. And then if you berate someone and put them down and insult them, talk about how you had sex with their mother yesterday, you do not get a penalty for that. That is okay, apparently. But saying fuck to yourself was a one-round penalty. Angle shooting like this is not a penalty, but accidentally tossing your cards off the table when you're folding, when it's clearly an accident, was a one-round penalty. What they really need to do to clean up tournament poker is to penalize intentionally shady activity. Or intentionally abusive activity. If someone's abusive, if someone's angle shooting, if someone is making the tournament experience bad for other people at the table, then they should be penalized. If there's an accident that is technically against the rules that happens on a one-time basis, then you forgive it. You give a warning and you forgive it. Now, they've improved this process somewhat at the World Series over the last few years. But as you can see, it's still not perfect. Things like this should not be happening without a penalty occurring. Now, there have been some arguments in Doug Lee's favor that maybe he simply miscounted his chips. 
it's happened to me before. They say, how much do you have? And I'll say, uh, I think I have 140000 And it turns out I have 120000 And I, I counted seven stacks when I saw six. Well, that's an honest mistake. But that's fairly close. But when you say all in $2 million, when you have your chips neatly stacked up in 40 stacks and you have seven of them, You don't ever say two million. He definitely knew he did not have ten of these stacks. Seven and ten is a huge difference. So it's up to the tournament director or the floor man to say, okay, I think this was an angle shoot and I'm giving you a penalty. And if he says, hey, I can't tell if it's an angle shoot or not, so I won't give a penalty, but I'm giving you a warning. Don't do this again. That's what you do if it's kind of marginal. If it's obvious, then you give the penalty. You start disincentivizing the angle shooting. Now, here is a clip not involving Doug Lee. I'm going to play only the relevant parts, a five-minute clip, and I'm not going to play a five-minute clip. Uh, This is basically a river situation from uh, the EPT Grand Final Madrid in 2011 where a shady Middle Eastern guy uh, named Ivan Fritez angle shoots when he has a full house against top pair and he tries to check raise but then thinks better of it he realizes if he check raises that with a board paired you know he, he knows the opponent's probably going to fold it he puts his opponent on top pair or maybe even worse he's going to fold so listen to what he does here I'll try to find the right spot in this video. Listen to what he does rather than check raise to still make this guy put in more money. Missing really home. scummy here. Let me get to the right spot here. He's going to put out a value bet, 275000 So that was the guy with the uh, the top pair. Puts out a value bet of 275000 The board has two fives on it. It's king three, five, five, six. The angle shooter has five, six. The guy who's betting right now has king, queen. Much? A little Hollywooding, maybe. How much? Okay, right. Ray's coming. Yeah. I'm sorry, call. What? Oh, oh. Uh, call. He said race. You announced. So, so what he says is. I raise, oh, no, 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 sorry, I call, I call. So he's pretending like he raised but then thought better of it and now only wants to call. So now he knows the rule. The rule is once you say raise, you're forced to put in a min raise. And now the original better feels like, well, if he's too afraid to raise, I have to call something like king-queen here. So that's really, really scummy. And what ends up happening, I'm not going to play the rest here, is that uh, the tournament director come over, warns that this guy has done this twice before in the same tournament. He's done this twice already in the same tournament, and both times had a really strong hand. So he warns the original better that this has been done twice already before and had a really strong hand each time. So keep that in mind before you decide what to do. And so he ended up calling anyway and lost. But how can this happen three times in one tournament the same guy does it? Like, how does he not get warned on the first time about this? That was a terribly run tournament, the EPT Grand Final. But uh, this Ivan uh, Fertes here 
he should be kicked out of the tournament. I, I wouldn't want this guy in my tournament acting like this. I mean, that, that's obviously a, a really, really scummy angle shoot. Three times in the same tournament. So players like this and players like Doug Lee, they have to be penalized for this type of behavior. But they're not somehow. Okay, so I'm reading the chat room that apparently there's something wrong with my Skype phone number. In that it cannot call to this Amy's Baking Company without getting that weird beep. But that when people called with their cell phone, they're getting through. So apparently they close in nine minutes. So I'm going to try to, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to put my own phone my own cell phone on the uh, the call here, and I'm going to three-way on Amy's Baking Company. Maybe I'll get through then. So, we'll try it that way. I don't understand why I'm getting that weird answer machine beep, but maybe, maybe Skype's misrouting the call or something. I have no idea why this is happening. But... Uh, We're going to try Amy's Baking Company now. So let's see. 480. Get the number again. Everybody really wants me to call Amy's Baking Company. They really want me to get through here. 480-607-0677. I mean, I, I hope it works, and I hope this call is good because... You guys have been looking forward to this for so long. It's ringing. You just can't hear it. At least I know how to get through now, so. If they don't answer, we'll do it next week, I promise. Please leave a message and we will get back with you. Our hours are as follows. Monday, we are closed. Tuesday through Sunday, we are open from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m. We have recently changed our menu, and reservations are no longer required. <laughs> For more information, please visit our website at www.amysbakingco.com. Thank you, and have a great day. She sounds normal there. I'll say that. Okay, so I unfortunately got that message just moments before they were closing, so... We'll call them next week. I know how to get through now. I have no idea what that beep was. I think maybe Skype is messing up and routing the call to the wrong place. So, thank you for trying that on your own and figuring out that it was Skype not working. So, wait a minute. You guys couldn't hear that? How could you guys not hear that? I could hear it. Well, whatever. Um, I, I, I assumed it broadcasted on the show, but it was just an answer machine. She sounded normal. So, 
I will do it next week. People in the chat now saying they heard it. Okay, good. So you guys confuse me. Someone says, we can't hear anything, Drauf. I'm like, what? Don't confuse me like that. Okay. Uh, someone who was definitely confusing was Curtis Rystad. He confused his opponents. Not necessarily in a good way. This guy made it deep in the World Series. I think he finished around 100th in this year's main event. Uh, definitely not a good player. Didn't really have any results to speak of prior to this. But most notably, he was really obnoxious and he actually was cold calling lousy hands just to try to bother someone at the table. Can you imagine you're deep in the main event and you're actually cold calling hands to get someone's goat there to irritate someone? I mean, this isn't like a $40 buy-in tournament. This is the main event you're deep in it and you're making calls like queen four offsuit just to bother someone that you don't like at the table that you've been sparring with. So this is a, a crazy situation. The internet was very... <laughs> Very surprised by this whole thing. Play a clip of this here. Rystad and Karen. Action on Kyle. And with an opportunity here, pocket aces. Kyle has been thinking about moving back to Los Angeles to pursue acting again, but frankly, I think he'd move to L.A. right now just to get away from Curtis Rystad. <laughs> so apparently he and uh, Curtis Rystad, Kyle Karen, who's a, a poker pro, uh, he had a lot of issues with Curtis Rystad, who was uh, two to his left. So Curtis Rystad was almost always acting after him. And they had a lot of trash talk back and forth. And Curtis Rystad decided he's going to call basically any hand. And Kernan was probably thrilled about this that since he has aces. So he's opening with 35K. This is on day five of the main event. So pretty deep, probably about I don't know, 400 people left at this point. And Curtis Reistat will pick up queen four offsuit and listen to what happens. A raise the 35,000. Adam Coates folds. Give me the 8-7 suited. Why does he even look when Kyle's in a hand? You know he's going to play. Well, he's been dying to play pots with Kyle, and that should eventually burn him. Raise. Queen four. So he's re-raising he Queen four. Re-raise. He makes it eighty-five grand. And Kyle says thank you. Yeah, on the inside, Kyle Karanen is bouncing around like Richard Simmons. But he has to wait for the rest of the table to act. No other takers so far. So now back to Kyle Karanen with the aces re-raised by Curtis Rystad. And he repops it, four bets it to 260. Pocket aces against Rystat. Karen just wants to shout that out to the world. Instantly. Opportunity to get all you can eat buffet. No slow play from Karen. And wow, Rystat willing. Rystat calls in another 175,000. So they each have in 264,000. This original raise of 35,000. I'm assuming the blinds were probably, well, like, uh, maybe. Uh, 10,000, 20, no, it couldn't be 10,000, 20,000, maybe uh, 7,500, 15, something like that. 
8,000, 16,000? Probably 8,000, 16,000. Here's the flop. King, King, four aces up now for Karen and Kings up for Reistad. So Karen in great shape here. Pocket aces, King, King, four board against Queen, four. So the Queen won't help him. Only thing that can win for him is another four. No flush draw for Reistad. The only thing that wins for him is another four. He's 92% to 8% underdog here. Kyle checks. Yeah, that board might worry Kyle a little. Check back. From check, Curtis. check on the flop. Turn card now is another four. Oh, my goodness. Salt in the wound. Curtis turns a full boat and Kyle checks. Yeah, Lon, that turn card is a slap in the face to poker justice and human <laughs> justice. And a check back from Rice. Down. How does Curtis not bet there? Wow, nine of clubs. So Karen and aces have. So it checks out the way to the river. No, can't blame Kyle for betting. Can't blame Kyle for thinking. He finally has his man. And look at that look on Curtis's face. More, more, he's saying to Kyle. Bring more into the middle. 380. Call. Aces? No good oh, here. Oh, that's a shame. That's a full boat. Thanks for playing. That's Bush League. Thanks for coming. Any pot. Blind, I'm going to call. Because I'm going to stack you. Gone. I'm going to stack you, gone. Any pot, any time I'm going to call. I'm going to stack you. Like, that is actually really frustrating. I mean, he has the right to do it. He can play the way he wants. But it's really frustrating. You have a guy to your left who is maliciously playing every single pot with you because he wants to bust you. He wants to take your chips. And he keeps getting lucky. You cannot get any justice against him. He's calling all the worst trash hands. And normally you want that. You want someone calling with awful hands and hanging themselves. But they're never hanging themselves. Every time it seems like they're dead, they get over on you. And they keep taking your chips and they get obnoxious about it. And there's nothing you can do. Pots with me, please. I want the full value. Yeah, you got it there, man. Got that one bet. That's full value. Well, you can't put them. I can't get them from you if you don't put them in. <laughs> I can't bet him. Get him for if you don't put him in. <laughs> you could have. You could have bet the turn. The whole hand was kind of weird. I, obviously, uh, I understand from Kernan's standpoint the preflop action. Uh, obviously, Rice had crazy to call two hundred something thousand with Queen four off. Uh, then he gets the King King four board and it goes check check. And I could say, okay, maybe the he doesn't want to commit too much with just the four. And maybe Karen is either trapping or is afraid to commit too much of the two kings of the board. But then when it's king, king, four, four, I understand Karen and checking again because you're either way ahead or way behind here. Nothing much is going to change. You know, if he's got the king or the four, you're really in bad shape. If he has anything but that, you're in really good shape. So I understand making them bet for you. But why is Reistat checking there? Why not bet and then see what happens? See if you get check raised big and then see what you're going to do. But he checks again. And then Karen in bets, which makes sense. Thinking maybe he'll get him to call with a lone ace or call with just a pocket pair. And uh, he's shown the four. You're together or what? <laughs> 
I'll make, res- make, make reservations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're going to go to dinner together or what? Someone else asked that. He's going to love me later. Don't try to curse me. I can... I can promise yeah. you. Uh, come on, we'll give, that's hey, not true. TV timeout. Give him a chance to come when he come back, would you? So you didn't laugh after you said that, so no one knew if it was a joke or not. He <laughs> 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 I mean, that would be torture. I, I feel for this Kyle Karanen guy. I see what was happening there. This is not ESPN creative editing. I see what was happening there. He has an asshole calling him every time he gets in a pod just to bust him. This rice dad just says, my results be damned. I don't care if I win $10 million or or, I don't care if I make the final table. I don't care if I win the event. I just want to bust this guy. I want to torture this guy. That's my most important mission in life. I, I've never been this far in a big poker tournament ever in my life, and my most important mission is to torture the guy who I've never met before today who was two seats to my right, who for some reason I don't like. That would be really frustrating. And, you know, it does grind on you eventually. I did not have anyone talking trash to me, and I didn't have anyone taking shots at me on purpose in the main event this year. But by the end, this is only on day one. I didn't make it out of day one. But by the end of the day, when I busted, I was making worse and worse decisions because I was feeling worn out that every time I had a big hand, I was running into just tons of action and then thought my hand probably wasn't good. I had to make a lot of tough decisions. One after another, every time I got in a hand, it was a tough spot. Every single time it was a tough spot. And it seemed like whatever decision I made in those tough spots was wrong. And yeah, after I busted, I, I was uh, tweeting with uh, Melissa Burr, who was next to me on the, fu- the last table I was at. And I was saying, I, I messed a lot of these up big time. And she said, no, no, don't worry about it. You were in like so many tough spots, so many hard hands. I, I, I see what happened. I see how that's hard to deal with. So imagine you're not just in tough spots of hands, but you've got a guy who's mocking you the entire time and setting out to beat you and is doing it. So that's too bad. Let's see where Kyle Karanem finished. I, I know Rystad got around 100th. Let's see where Kyle Karanem finished here. Okay, so he got 24th, which is kind of an annoying spot to finish. So he got 265,000, or sorry, 287,000, which is a nice payday, obviously. But keep in mind, Kyle Karanen hasn't had a cash since 2012. Also in the main event. He got very deep in uh, 38th place. So he's a good main event player. From Minnesota originally, but he got 38th and 12th, didn't cash in 13, and in 14, got 287,000 for finishing uh, 24th. But, but yeah, 287,000 and 10 million are so different. 
anything between like 10th and 36th is really frustrating to finish there in the main event because you're so close yet so far away. By the way, I, I saw a caller from 818 call. You can call back if you want to reach me. So, pretty tough for Kyle there. Feel bad for him. Oh, so uh, apparently Kyle Kernan busted Rystad finally. See, I didn't see that episode. I only watch things when people tell me to watch things. Yeah, Hotshot74 saying they can't wait to see the table talk between me and David ODB Baker at the same table. <laughs> okay, so uh, call her on the air. Hey, Drop, it's uh, Trey Nersky. Yes, hi. Oh, yeah. Is this the first time you spoke about this Curtis uh, guy? Yes. I think, you know, before that hand ever went down, this guy was just not shut. People were in hands. This guy is just so obnoxious talking over everybody. I mean, to the point where it's like before that hand even happened, he wanted to kill the guy just watching it. Did you watch any of that? No, no. See, I, I don't like watching poker on TV. I just, I, I don't enjoy it. I, I feel like I, I play enough. And even when I'm not playing, I feel like I have played enough to where watching it just doesn't appeal much to me. It's just the way I personally feel about it. So, like, I'll watch something if someone points out to me, hey, you should watch this. Yeah, God, I mean, this guy was just such an obnoxious prick, and it certainly uh, ended well at the end of the day. Since, um, so he busted. Yeah. That's good. At least it had a happy ending. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, and the, the same guy got him. You know, yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, and that's perfect for TV. I'm sure ESPN loved that, that you have all these frustrating hands uh, for Curran, and then finally he gets him and, and nails him with a flush. So. Uh, yeah, I was surprised they kept the guy up so long. He was just so obnoxious, so rude to every other player in the team. He just shut, shut the F up, you know? Yeah, well, I, I guess I understand it. Everyone's talking about it now. Right? They're trying to find yeah, things yeah. that are... Worthy of conversation rather than just the same same old hands where you know one big hand against another and you know the first one wins. I mean, you get tired of seeing that after a while. So, but I can also understand Absolutely. why it's 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 uh, frustrating to watch that as the viewer if a guy's too obnoxious. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, I don't know anyway, what he was. Just yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks. No, go ahead. I can say. So, I I don't understand what he was going for there. Uh, was he doing this because he was on TV? Was he trying to be entertaining? Is this his normal personality? Uh, I don't know. I, no, I don't well, know what well, it was. At one, at one point, uh, sorry to cut you off, I'm still on. You know, the Kyle guy just said, you know, you could tell everybody was getting irritated. And then at one point, he said something like, you're not funny. You're the only one laughing at your jokes, and you haven't stopped talking the whole time. So I think that's after that, that's when he's already going after it. I see. I see. So the guy who spoke up against him is the one he started going after. All right. Well, yeah. at least he got busted by the guy. Him. At least he got busted there. I, I wonder if he regrets it now. I wonder if he, both between people making comments about what a douche he was and the fact that he busted against Kyle Curran and you know, trying to go after him constantly. I wonder if now he regrets and said, crap, I could have had $10 million if I just tried to play better. Yeah, you would think so. And I mean, he just looked like such a prick on TV. Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. It's one thing just to make obnoxious comments on TV and thinking you're being funny, but 
why play badly and start try to bust other players as if it's like a bounty tournament? Like, why do that at the main event of all things, deep in the main event? I don't get yeah. that. It's weird. Yeah, no, sorry. No, and also, you know, he was just acting like a dick. You could tell he just didn't know any poker etiquette the whole time. Yeah. And then they had one of those side interviews with Kara Scott. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get him to steam. That's my plan. And you could tell that wasn't his plan. He was just a moron. <laughs> I mean, he obviously was here because that's just uh, that that play style is just so strange at, at the main event here. So, all righty, Kyle guy definitely did a good job at holding his cool. So I'll yeah. go back and listen. Thanks. Okay, thinking. thank you, thank you for the insight there. So, yeah, really weird. So much money it's. I guess if you're like a multi multi millionaire, you can say, okay, screw it, I'm just going to have fun. I don't care about the money. And then we had people like Mark Newhouse who played a ton of hands because he felt like he could outplay everybody post-flop. And I, apparently he could because he made the final table two years in a row. But I don't think Curtis Reistat really believed he could outplay everybody post-flop. I think he just was doing it to try to get at the guy who pissed him off. Weird. What's our next topic here? Oh, this is an odd story. Uh, the Swedish version of the IRS went after Swedish poker players for unpaid taxes. And you say, oh, why is that a big story? Of course that's going to happen eventually. Well, the big story about this is the fact that the Swedish tax authorities, what they're called, was using internet forum postings and poker news stories to find out who owes the money. They weren't checking bank records or observing people's spending habits or anything else that the IRS traditionally does to catch tax cheats. They were not taking tips from the public or maybe from people who know them that don't like them or perhaps want a reward. No. The Swedish tax authority, which again is the equivalent of the IRS, uh, I guess it's called a Skatterviket. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Skatterviket. S-K-A-T-T-E-V-E-R-K-E-T. Skatterviket. That they have been looking all over the internet, maybe even the Poker Fraud Alert forums, to find any evidence of Swedish poker players who have won more money than they are claiming on their taxes. Now, European Union tax law says that gambling winnings from within the European Union are not taxable, which was like that in the U.S., but any winnings outside the European Union are subject to a 30% tax, which is pretty substantial. So, Skatervikit, I'm sure I'm going to get some Swedes here giving me a hard time about the way I'm pronouncing it, but Skatervikit has been looking on poker forums, poker databases like HighStakesDB.com and TheHendedMob.com, Poker news stories, anything that would indicate that 
Swedish poker players have been winning money outside of the European Union. And then when they see that evidence, then they go after them. Apparently, this has been successful. So far, they have found evidence of 50 poker players that have won money that they did not declare. Wow. 50. Just from reading the internet. Crazy. So if these players had not posted anything or if these, their results were not covered on databases or poker news sources, then Scadivacate would not have found this out. And this also includes online tournaments where it's especially difficult to figure out if where this was won. But because a lot of these players willingly identify themselves as who they are online so they can get some notoriety and maybe some sponsorships or maybe some admiration, Scadivacate finds out who they are. So they see Swedish player named such and such won this much on Poker Stars. And then they find out who is the real person behind that name just from that person saying, hey, I'm this guy. That's me. So someone who appeared on uh, a radio show in Sweden, a guy named uh, Dag Hardison, who's an internet specialist with Skadivarkit. I think I'm getting used to saying that. Skadivarkit. He said, as far as I know, this is the first time we've used the opportunity to seek information about unidentified people. We've used a methodology that can now be tried in different cases. The system of nicknames exists with many different types of gambling. And they have found mostly that it's professional poker players doing this. That, you know, occasionally it was just some fish who got lucky, but mostly it was professional poker players, as you would expect. And they found about $34.6 million worth of unreported gambling winnings total that needed to be taxed at 30%. So that's like $10 million in taxes they should have gotten and didn't, and now they're probably going to get So you got to watch out. And these data mining sites, even if you don't brag, the data mining sites will say who's been winning money and who hasn't. The one safe place you can play is on Bodog because everything's anonymous. So (laughs) there's no way Scatterverkit can find out unless you brag about it. Otherwise, there are no screen names on Bodog. So... You can play on there and Scadivacate cannot find out. Unless they check your bank accounts or whatever. But it seems like the way they're going is just checking forums, checking the high-stakes DB, checking Hendon Mob, checking Pocket Fives. So... Now I'm wondering if the Swedish poker players who are playing on 
sites outside the European Union are going to take more care to hide what they're doing, maybe play on uh, screen names they're not known, and definitely probably not going to brag about things in the future. And what if you've already posted things? What if you've already posted, hey, I won such and such, or hey, I'm this person, and, you know, like, will 2 plus 2 now erase posts for you if you ask them to? That they, even if it's posted by others to try to protect yourself from the Swedish tax authority, Scatterficate? I don't know. They probably won't. I would. You know, if any Swede came to me and said, hey, I, I don't want Scatterficate getting me. Can you remove this about me? I would. I would. Screw them. I don't need to be providing information to these tax authorities. I never liked the whole thing of taxing gambling winnings. I, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right because most people lose. It's not even a zero-sum game. Most people lose because of the rake. The few who are winning should not have to pay taxes because those that lose cannot deduct from their taxes. And presumably everybody's gambling with money that they've already paid taxes on from earning in some other way. So whatever money you're winning, taxes have been paid somewhere. Now, maybe you're playing against players in other countries and winning their money, uh, but they pay taxes in their country. It's just, uh, to me, it's it's both a double tax- taxation and it's also, uh, there's also issues, as I said, more people lose than win and the losers cannot deduct it from their other income. And even worse, uh, it goes year by year. I don't know how it is in Sweden. But if you win a ton of money in 2010, don't pay any taxes, and then lose it all back in 2011, you owe back taxes, even though your net result is zero. If you win a million in 2010, you lose a million in 2011, you haven't paid any taxes yet, you owe the taxes still for 2010, even though you've won nothing. You cannot deduct what you've lost in subsequent years from what you won in previous years, which is really unfair. I, I just don't like the whole thing with tax and gambling winnings. But, you know, they'll they'll tax what they can get. So, let's talk about Phil Ivey. Phil Ivey had a lawsuit that has been talked about a lot against Crockford's in the UK. And Phil Ivey appeared on 60 Minutes, not real 60 Minutes, but 60 Minutes Sports on Showtime, and described his lawsuit, described uh, why he felt he's going to win, why he felt he had a good case. I'm not going to go over the whole thing again, but uh, Phil Ivey and a an accomplice named Chung Yin Sun played a game called Punto Banco, which is very similar to Baccarat. And they tricked the casino into changing the game around a little bit, the way it's uh, operated, which gave Ivey an edge. And the way it gave him an edge is because the cards had a defect in them to where you could see what the cards were from the backs of the cards. 
but it was hard to see unless the cards were turned over on a different side, if they're turned over uh, horizontally instead of vertically. vertically. So uh, Cheung Yin's son, who was, I-, I guess, very good at identifying this type of stuff, and also played the role of the, the superstitious Asian woman, she went there with Ivy, who was bankrolling the whole thing. And I guess they were probably splitting the profits. And they claimed that she was superstitious, that she wanted a dealer who spoke Mandarin Chinese, and that she wanted the cards turned in that direction. And the casino agreed. This wasn't an inside job or anything. The casino agreed to change the rules. Now, they made up a story as to why they wanted to change. They didn't say the reason is so we can see the backs of the cards, which are defective, so we can tell what the cards are. But they didn't mark the cards. The cards were provided by the casino with an existing defect. So... Basically, Ivy and Sun there were taking advantage of defects in the casino, which is what I call advantage play, and I think is completely fine. That's not cheating, in my opinion. Some people say it was cheating. I don't think it was cheating. Ivy didn't feel I was cheating. Anyway, they accommodated them because they were betting so much, and usually this game has a pretty good house edge to where they were thrilled to get a big whale like Ivy, and they were willing to accommodate them with these weird rules. Well, Ivy bet 1 million pounds, 1 million British pounds, and he won 7.7 million British pounds over two sessions in 2012. That equates to about $11.5 million in winnings. But before he could cash out that money, they figured out what he was doing. And they said, "Uh uh-uh. You were cheating. We are not paying you. So they gave him back his initial million that he bought in. Million pounds, that is. So he didn't lose anything, but they said they're not paying him his winning. So he sued them. And this dragged on for a while. This is something based in you know, back in 2012. But he lost the case. The case was ruled in favor of Crockford's. Now, during the court proceedings... Ivy admitted that he was using this, what was known as edge sorting technique to gain an edge in the game. He wasn't denying that in court. He was truthful about things. But the court did not see it the same way as Ivy did. So they decided that this was... uh, Not something that Ivy should have been doing. They decided that uh, Ivy does not deserve the winnings here. Uh, Crockford's comment about the ruling. Crockford's is pleased with the judgment of the high court today supporting its defense of a claim by Mr. Ivy. Is our policy not to, not to discuss our client's affairs in public? Yeah, but we're going to do it anyway. And, uh, but we very much regret that proceedings were brought against us. We attach the greatest importance to our exemplary reputation for fair, honest, and professional conduct in today's ruling. Oh, and today's ruling vindicates the steps we have taken in this matter. I should have read that in an English accent. I really should have. And Ivy said, I'm pleased that the judge acknowledged in court that I was a truthful witness. 
I believe that what we did was a legitimate strategy, and we did nothing more than exploit Crockford's failures to take proper steps to protect themselves against a player of my ability. Clearly, the judge today did not agree. That's what Ivy said. So he was uh, trying to take away a small victory that the judge said that he was being truthful. Well, that's great. That's, that's not what he was going for. I don't think Ivy really cares if the judge thinks he's a truthful guy. He's just trying to find the very small silver lining in this very dark cloud. They can appeal, but uh, it hasn't been said whether or not they're going to. I have a feeling they won't because it would probably be the same result. Uh, Crockford said they have not decided yet whether they're going to try to prosecute Ivy and Son. That it was cheating under British law. But they haven't filed any kind of criminal complaint, so they're probably just not going to do it. Especially now that they don't owe any money. Also, how do you get Ivy back over there to face the charges? If I were Ivy, I'd say, F you. (laughs) I'm in the U.S., you can't get me. And the U.S. would never extradite him for this. So, Ivy is also dealing with a Borgata case about the same subject, except it's the reverse. Ivy won money and did get the money from Borgata, and they're suing him to get it back. Uh, Something else that has been suggested by Ivy's team is that this was a free roll, that they were aware of what they were doing. And we're planning not to pay them if they won and to keep the money if they lost, which is very possible. I don't know if it's true, but it's possible. But whatever it is, if the casino agrees to modify their own rules, even if you lie to them about the reason you want them to modify them, if they agree to modify their rules and you play under the modified rules as agreed upon, then it's tough luck on the casino if they didn't understand what they were doing by modifying their rules. Even if you lied to them to get them to do it, that does not matter. What should matter is, did the casino modify their rules? Did you play under the rules that you both agreed to? Yes, okay, well, then if you're still playing with an edge, tough luck on the casino. Much like if you say you want different rules, or if the casino says, hey, we're changing the rules and you accept them and they're very much against you, provided there's no cheating, meaning the casino, you know, they're not rigging the deck or anything, uh, then tough luck on you. If both sides accept the rule change, then that is what becomes the new rules. And I don't I don't think Ivy should have lost there. He found a way to beat the casino. He should not have lost. Someone's saying Colonel Fabersham should call Crockford's. I wonder if they'd see through Colonel Fabersham's fake accent. Like, like people in the U.S. don't see through Fabersham's fake accent that well because they don't know a British accent that well. But if you're British and a fake British accent calls you, like, I don't think they're going to say the accent's fake, but will they, like, instantly recognize the accent's fake? I don't know. I, I don't have much to say to Crockford's here. I don't think it'll be a good call. Let's talk about the Poker Stars spin and goes. 
Not sit and goes, but spin and goes. Now, these are just like sit and goes. It's a new thing introduced by PokerStars. And the difference is... Now, okay, before we do that, let's take a damn call here. 816 area code, hello. Jeff, what's going on? Who is this? This is Jay Sizzle. I had a feeling it was you. I saw the Kansas City 816 area code, and I'm like, I bet it's Jay Searles. I yeah. bet it's Jay Searles. I'm not going to jump the gun. I apologize in advance. I'm not listening to radio. All right. Uh, I'm on my way home from game three of the ALCS. Yes. And I just want to know what you know, what you think about the fucking Kansas City Royals. Did they win again? I, I have, I've been doing a show. I haven't watched Yes, they won, Drew. 2-1. Oh, They're up 3-0. They're going to sweep Baltimore tomorrow. Well, okay. They probably will. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I hope they don't get too arrogant here because I want them to beat whoever they face in the National League. Me too, obviously. Well, yeah, I know you're the big Kansas City fan, but I, I don't give a crap about Kansas City. But what I give a crap about is that the, the shitty Cardinals I, and the shitty Giants don't win the World Series. About the fucking Giants beating the Dodgers. Get over it. No, I want either team to – the Giants or the Cardinals, I want either team there, whoever gets through, to lose. So one yeah, of them is going to get to the World Series. I fucking hate the Cardinals. The fucking Cardinals get sucking dick. Well, I know. You feel about the Cardinals how I feel about the Angels. You know, it's the same thing. You got that yeah. close-by rivalry here. But, uh, look. Yeah. We already, we already got the Angels for you, though, Josh. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. But, look. Yeah. I, I hope the Kansas City doesn't get too arrogant. That doesn't feel like the postseason is so easy that they can just skate through it and win every single game. And then underestimate the Giants or Cardinals, whoever gets through there. And no, then lose. Not gonna happen. I hope that doesn't happen. Not going to happen. They're no. fucking on fire. Can't be stopped. Yeah, I know. Well, it's... That's all I got. I, I want to throw in there, too. You've been following the Stone Cold Lobster address? Sort of. Fucking, I'm the new C-Money. You know this, right? I wouldn't go that far. Did you know C-Money hasn't had a fucking right pick in a year? See, Money had a, a great year there where he had like 18-1 and one last year. But uh, his, his last pick, you can look this up. This is verified. His last correct pick he posted was on 10-20-2013. That's a year ago on Wednesday, on next Monday. Look, it's been a rough year for year C Money ago. with the sports betting. He will be the yeah. first to acknowledge that. But C Money's. C Money's got. I don't mean to fucking be. I don't mean to be talking on C Money. He fucking had a good time, but. There's a new kid on the block. No, like see now, I, I think you're getting more arrogant than the uh, Kansas City Royals drink. here. You've you've gotten the Kansas I, City I Royals drank, arrogance here. I drank too many. I drank too many beers on driving home, but it doesn't matter. Wait, are you driving here? Lock. Are you I'm driving? I'm driving. How else am I going to get home? Well, no, I thought maybe someone else might be driving for you, like no. that Lannister guy. No, 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 Lannister's not with me. He can't afford playoff tickets, bro. Sorry, did you buy these playoff tickets with your winnings from these bets? Fuck yeah, I know you guys all fucking hate on me and you think I'm a fucking broke dick, bet Welchin scammer, fucktard, but fucking play, paying for World Series tickets ain't no shit to me, Drust. Well, how much did you pay for them? Oh, the ticket today was only 200 bucks, but I fucking, I locked down my World Series tickets yesterday, fucking 400 apiece, face value. I'm ready. I'll be at all the games. Fucking Royals are winning this shit. That's why I sound cheap to you, though, as a Dodgers fan, doesn't it? Hmm. 
Well, I mean, I hope you. I hope you're okay there. Oh, sorry about that. I hope. I hope. No, I hope you're okay with it. With the driving drunk there, I'm not sure if uh, I feel safe for you here. Drunk. I grew up in Missouri. We've been driving drunk since we were like twelve. Uh oh! What the hell? Oh no! Are you okay, Jay Searles? Jay Searles! Oh no! Don't think we'll be getting pics from him any longer. Man. I bet I'm going to be called in to testify for this accident. Hope nobody else got hurt. Wow. All righty. Let's go to our topic here. Spin and goes. Spin and goes are sit and goes. Three-man sit and goes. It's a basic three-man poker tournament. Winner takes all. But the weird thing, the new innovation here by Poker Stars, is that you don't know how much money you're playing for. Whatever the buy-in is, rather than winning three times the buy-in, which would be standard in this spot when it's three players, winner take all, you will win anywhere between two and 1,000 times the buy-in. So if you win two times, then you're, of course, only winning two-thirds the money you should. And if it's 1,000 times, well, then you're winning uh, uh, over 300 times what you should. But, of course, most of the time, it's going to be two times because they have to pay for the big payouts. Because it, it all ends up being the same when you add up all the the prizes paid. But just from table to table, it varies. And you don't know this. I don't know if they show you before or after the tournament's over. I think beforehand. But uh, you're already committed in that particular tournament. Yeah, I guess they show you beforehand. But uh, you're committed at that point. So you can't just say, I'm going to play in the table which pays 1,000. You have to already pay, and then you find out. So... At first, people are like, oh, this seems like kind of cool because it's going to attract fish over here. The fish will be excited about winning a thousand times their buy-in for just playing three people, even though it's a tiny chance of getting that. So, you know, it's going to get a lot more fish in the game. It'll be great. But then reality set in. Then reality set in. A regular sit-and-go player who uh, calls himself... Masaranike is very unhappy about the situation and he did a mathematical mathematical analysis of the, the situation with these spin and goes he found out the following over 75% of the time the winning player will receive only two times the buy-in rather than three times over 75% of the time, there's more than three-quarters of the time, you're going to win and only get double your money instead of triple your money. That's pretty big. Pretty big against you, that is. But what about the big payouts? What about like 25 times or more? Well, that will only occur a whopping 0.1% of the time. <laughs> that means you're going to have to play 1,000 of these on average to just one time get 25 times or more. What about that thousand times 
payout. That will only occur once every 25,000 sit-and-goes you play. And, of course, you have to win. Just because you happen to end up at the table with a 1,000 times pay, that doesn't mean you've just made a ton of money, because still, it's winner-take-all. And I assume you can't just chop at that point. So... You have to win it. And if you don't win it, you're not going to have much of a chance to ever play for a thousand times the prize again. So, by running the numbers, this guy found that a really good player with an excellent rate, an excellent winning rate, that's far, far above average, is a really good player, who plays a thousand hands will typically lose. You heard me. A typical player running a thousand of these will lose. Now, how can that be? How can the typical player lose in a thousand hands if it all breaks even if you add up everybody's prizes? Well, I'm not saying he's negative expected value, but the problem is the variance is not only very high. But it's super top-heavy. So you're going to have a few people who win a ton, way, way more than their expectation. Way, way, way more. The ones that get the huge prizes. Whereas the vast, vast majority of people, even the normally winning players, will lose. So you're going to have a few very happy people and everyone else unhappy. A more extreme example of this would be, let's say we collected, uh, let's say we found everybody with $100,000 net worth or more and took $100,000 from all of them and then gave all of that money to 1% of those people and the other 99% get nothing. It's a zero-sum game, but 99% walk away unhappy and 1% walk away thrilled. So you would not want to do that typically because you're almost surely going to end up as the 99%. These people are saying here, look, we don't want to put all this time in grinding these sit-and-goes, these spin-and-goes, and pretty much be guaranteed to lose unless we run unusually well with the prizes that are, with the big prizes being given out. So you really need to hit your fair share of the big payouts, the 200 times or more, more than your fair share. You need to run like above expectation to come out ahead in these things. Otherwise, you're going to come out behind. It's kind of similar to video poker where you have to hit royal flushes if you want to be anywhere near even or win in that game over a lot of hands. If you play 40,000 hands of video poker and do not hit a royal flush, you're definitely like way down by that point. Why? Because the losing pays for the big payouts of the Royal Flush. Same with a slot machine that has a jackpot. If you do not hit a jackpot, you're going to lose a fortune. Again, a small percentage win a whole lot, everybody else loses. And that's not a good spot for poker. Now what's funny is that this is happening on Poker Stars and not on Full Tilt. Full Tilt is like the experimental product. Both are owned by Amaya Gaming. 
But Full Tilt is the one with the casino. They're, that's the site where they're willing to try kind of weird things like this, where Poker Stars has always remained pure. Poker Stars has been pure ever since it started. When I say pure, I mean it's never had casino gambling. It's never had any kind of betting except for poker. And the poker games have been standard games. Winning or losing on Poker Stars has always depended upon two things. One, your skill, and two, the cards dealt to you. And that's it. It has never depended upon some kind of weird gambling luck element, again, aside from the cards dealt to you, where a computer decides what you're going to get paid for winning. So not only is a computer deciding what you're going to get paid, but most of the grinders here are going to end up losing. So everyone's very unhappy about this, who play these sit-and-goes regularly. Now, some people are saying, look, you don't have to play these spin-and-goes. They're not completely replacing sit-and-goes, so what's your problem? Well, I understand the complaint here because a lot of the fish are going to stop playing sit-and-goes and try these spin-and-goes instead. It'll be more appealing to them. So you'll kind of feel forced to play the spin-and-goes because you're going to want to beat the fish over there, but you're going to know at the same time that unless you get really lucky, no one's going to win, except for those lucky chosen few. So people complained about it on 2 Plus 2, as you would imagine. And Daniel Negreanu, of course, their main sponsored player on PokerStars, shocker, defended these tables. In a weird post on 2 Plus 2, he said the following. He said, I've seen a lot of talk about the poker ecosystem and what kills games. Do you know what kills games and what destroys the poker ecosystem above and beyond all the things mentioned? Winning players! What? Daniel! Daniel! Winning players? Yeah. He says, yep, you guys, LOL. The winning players as a whole win a lot more money than the company makes each and every year. I'm not sure if I believe that. I'm not sure if I believe that the people cashing out of the site make more money combined than PokerStars does. PokerStars makes a fortune on Rake. But putting that aside. Yet, oddly, they still offer VIP programs to the very people who are essentially, quote, killing the games. So he's criticizing the winners, saying you guys don't even deserve a VIP program. You're killing poker. You're killing poker by winning. How dare you? How dare you? I'm Daniel Negreanu, one of the winningest players of all time. And you winners are bad for poker. You people. What's next? Are we going to have Bill Gates saying that the rich people are bad for America? Actually, I think he does say that. (laughs) Bad example. But yeah. Daniel DeGround is saying winning players are bad for poker. Maybe he should also say people who join self-help cults are bad for society. So I'll skip the next stuff he said. Actually, this, this next thing is actually pretty important. He says, if spin and goes deterred players from playing... That actually helps the poker ecosystem immensely. It just may not help you personally. I love, love, love this concept. And if it helps to level the playing field a little bit while allowing rec players to stretch their dollars a bit further than before, I think in the end that's a win for everyone, even the winning players who are upset about it now. Hey, Daniel, guess what? For a smart guy, for a really good poker player, you just made an idiotic statement. Why? This is not letting the rec players stretch their dollars a bit further than before. Because this hurts the fish too. 
whether the fish win in these sit and goes or whether the good players win, guess what? They both get underpaid this two times amount, 75 or more percent of the time. So the fish get hurt by this too. Just about everybody gets hurt from this who plays these spin and goes with any regularity, except for a very small percentage who lucks into these very big payouts, who may or may not be recreational players. The only way this can help is if a recreational player wins something like 200, 500, or 1,000 times the buy-in and then dumps it in the cash game before cashing it out. But aside from that, this is going to hurt the fish too. The fish are going to try to shoot for these big prizes, but will not get them. It will hurt the fish the same way the lottery hurts poor people. And it does. That's been one of the biggest arguments against lotteries, is that mainly poor people play, they waste a lot of money on it, and only a tiny percentage of them end up with a lot of money while everybody else wastes money that they can't really afford to waste. Same thing with the fish. They're going to be wasting money on these spin-and-goes, not get what they're shooting for, bust even faster while a tiny percentage of the fish are going to do well. So Daniel doesn't know what he's talking about here. Later in this diatribe, he says, the mindset of some pros is backwards. You, you think they need you? The reverse is true. They would do better as a company if pros did not play at all. There goes Daniel, the self-hating poker pro. Poker stars would do better if pros didn't play at all. We don't need you. You're a burden. You're a lousy burden on us. It's a stupid thing to say. And let me tell you another problem with what you're saying. Let's say the winning players could all be kidnapped and dropped on a desert island somewhere with no internet access. So they couldn't play on poker stars anymore. Guess what? The players who used to be the break-even players will become the winning players. The players who would be winning, if not for getting clobbered by the players better than them, will now be the top man on the total pole. And they will become the winning players. I've seen it happen before. How have I seen it? I haven't seen poker players being kidnapped. But I have seen smaller networks where the best pros have not found them yet. This is more in the past, but it still applies to today. Where you have a network where it's mostly unknown, most of the people there are fish, and the few people there who are not fish are not that great. And I've seen some very mediocre players who would be break-even or losing anywhere else making a lot of money because they are near the top. They are near the best players on the site. And if there's a few players way better than they are, if they're better than the vast majority who are below them, then they become the, quote, good players, and they make a lot of money. I've seen it before. I've seen some very, very unimpressive, mediocre, middling, probably losing on Poker Stars players make over a hundred grand per month at the poker peak of the poker boom on sites that were otherwise unknown by the general public. I saw it happen. So there will always be the, quote, winning players. It's just a matter of who it is. Remove the top winners. Now the next tier of players will become the big winners. The big, you know, the, the, they'll become the big men on campus. 
It would be like saying Major League Baseball doesn't need its current group of players. Uh, We're tired of seeing all these great pitchers and great hitters. We want parity. We want everyone to kind of perform around the same level. So we're going to kick all the major leaguers out. We'll let the minor leaguers all move up and play in the majors. Well, you have the same thing. The best minor leaguers have become the new stars. The best minor leaguers who may have otherwise failed in the major leagues against the tougher pitching, against the tougher hitting, will become big stars against the minor league competition. It's the same thing. So other than a completely unrealistic, idealistic world where everyone has the same skill level, which will never happen, there will always be winning players. It's a stupid thing for Daniel to say. They don't need you. You need them. So he goes on to say, they need the rec players, referring to poker stars. They should be the priority, not the pros. If you lose recreational players, the pros don't play anyway. If the recreational players continue to deposit and play, the pros will be there to get that money. Look at it this way, he says. Poker Stars provides a service that allows some of you to make a living. You are not employees and they are not your boss. As with any service, if you don't feel it's worth it to use, then you can feel free to choose a different service. That may seem harsh, but I get a sense that some people have entitlement issues that aren't warranted. No. No. Sounds like the other way around. I think that's a pretty cringeworthy statement by Negranu, and he has a surprisingly flippant attitude about winning poker players. And this is coming from a rich guy who's made all of his money through poker and sponsorships. The reason you make so much money with your poker star sponsorship, with all the other sponsorships you get and television appearances and whatever else you get paid for, is because you have been a winning poker player that people have identified with. So how can you deride the winning players like this and say that they're the, what's wrong with poker? No, they're not. I'm sorry, Daniel, that not everybody can be a famous TV poker pro that makes a lot of money just for being a famous TV poker pro. Someone that can make a lot of money every year without even winning at poker. And I'm not saying you don't win at poker. I'm saying you, you don't even have to win at mo- poker and you will make money from poker. Most of us cannot do that. Most of us actually have to win at the tables to make money from poker. So why are you putting those people down? The bottom line is they are paying rake. I saw a stupid viewpoint of, no, actually, recreational players are the ones who pay the rake. The pros don't pay the rake because they're cashing out. So since they're taking money from the site, you can't say they're paying rake. Yes, they are. They're paying rake because they're not cashing out as much as they would if there was no rake. So if you're cashing out $10,000, but you've paid 10000 in rake, then yes, you've paid 10000 in rake because you should be cashing out twenty. You've actually won twenty in the pots that you've won overall, but you're only cashing out ten because ten was taken in rake after all the hands you've played. So of course you're paying rake. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid more than you're paying in rake. 
you're getting paid less because the rate came out of it. That's a stupid statement. He didn't say that, but I saw others say it. Anyway, I think this is a bad thing, and I believe this is another change that Amaya is making to Poker Stars just to try to make more money. And they're really looking at it not like we want to keep poker pure, but we just want to find whatever way to make the most money for the company, and we want to introduce a gambling element to it. Amaya is a casino company. They're not a poker company. So they want to introduce casino-style gambling, and this is kind of their way of doing it into poker stars. Without putting casino-style games, they're making poker almost like a slot machine. In fact, it even looks like a slot machine. If you take a look at the spin-and-go table, it looks like a slot machine you know, spinning its reels to give you a payout. Just given a quote by Negranu. I got to fast forward in this, in this blog, but uh, I was told to fast forward to 2137 in this blog. We're just about there. Okay, let's listen. They're going to be run as two completely separate companies. You know, Poker Star is going to still be Poker Star. Full Tilt will be Full Tilt. Uh, similar, like you know, Coke and Pepsi. Yeah. Pepsi's owned by Coke, but most people don't really know that. You yeah. know, they're run as two completely separate. <laughs> Pepsi's run by Coke. Most of you don't know that. Most of you don't know that. Here's something I was just given. Breaking news. Breaking news dated October 14th. That's today. Beer and Poker nicely sent me this topic. Since we're done with the Negrana topic, let's go to our breaking news. I screwed that one up badly. I was trying to adjust the volume, then I adjusted it up. I think I need a board operator here. I don't do a very good job with it. I'll be the first to admit that. Anyway, here's the breaking news. Uh, hang on. <laughs> Where did it go? Here we are. The state of Maryland is going to begin extradition procedures on Bodog founder Calvin Ayer. Wow. Calvin Ayer is the subject of extradition proceedings, according to a report in the Baltimore Sun. Federal prosecutors are seeking to extradite Ayer to the United States in connection with a 2012 incident against Bodog Entertainment Group. Maybe, maybe I should get my money off there. I've got some money on Bovod, a.k.a. Bodog. Federal attorneys revealed their plans this past Friday in U.S. District Court in Maryland. However, the door remains open that Eric can avoid extradition if a resolution to the charges can be reached. I see. So they're trying to charge him and extradite him so he coughs up money. I see. It's always about money. Wow. 
In 2012, Aaron and three others were indicted on charges of running an illegal gambling business involving sports betting and conspiracy to commit money laundering. At the time, he called the indictment, quote, an abuse of the U.S. criminal justice system for the commercial gain of large corporations. Since that time, all four men remain at large, with Aaron said to be either in Antigua or Canada. Not Canada. It can be extradited pretty easily. The other three are said to be in Canada. Furthermore, Air is on the Immigration and Customs Enforcement's most wanted list. According to the indictment, Bodog and Associates moved at least $100 million from overseas accounts to bettors in Maryland. The indictment also alleged that Bodog spent at least $42 million in U.S.-based advertising. Hmm. Wow. Uh, based on the words of Assistant Attorney K, this... Extradition may be more of a ploy than a serious attempt to incarcerate the Bodog founder. Kay admitted that it could take a number of years to actually bring, bring air back to the United States and that this is assuming he doesn't move to a country that will comply with extradition requests. What's more likely is that the DOJ is just trying to embarrass air into finalizing an agreement to bring this indictment to an end. Nearly every major player in the Black Friday saga has settled with the DOJ. The fact that a deal had been agreed to in principle would imply that the terms are acceptable to air. We won't be surprised to see that a deal finalized between the parties in the next few months. Yeah, but what about Bovada? They're still offering poker, sports betting, and casino games to U.S. players. I can't imagine that the U.S. government would be happy about that. So, uh... Huh. I don't know what to say with this. I don't know how much involvement he has in Bovada or Bodog anymore, but got to think this is not the best idea or the best uh, news for Bovada. But it sounds like they're just trying to get Air to agree to something by scare him. And then uh, I wonder if it has to do with Bodog pulling out of the U.S., though. Yeah, someone in chat saying they think he's 100% out of Bovada and Bodog. I think so too, but they they probably want to go after them. They're the biggest U.S. facing side right now. Only reason I, I'm still playing there is because I assume that if anything happens, I'll get my money like people always have when these sites get busted, provided they actually have the money. But I think they probably do. Someone saying in chat, Calvin Ayer is actually Jen Larson. <laughs> That would be funny. They're like bitter rivals. They hate each other. And it'd be funny if they're the same person. LOL Wow saying in chat, it took them three days. He said, I put $1,100 on Bovada. It took them three days to charge my card and then the credit card company froze it. I lost 800 playing blackjack and they made 300 for the last couple of hours. Last for a couple of hours. They seriously didn't process the 1100 for like three days. Well, I never use credit cards because there's like 5% fees. I always use the Western Union thing. Then they pay my fees. I refuse to pay 5% fees. I put on like 2400 bucks there. But I did it with Western Union. And I paid no fees. And then I ran it up. So, we'll see. 
I actually ran it way up and then I lost some back and that's kind of where I stand right now. But I'm still like way above where I put, like way, way above what I put in. So maybe I should just cash out what I have and be happy with it. One interesting thing, and I'm not going to accuse Bovada of anything because they've never been part of any scandal, but I've talked to a number of Limit Hold'em pros on there, and they all have the same story. I put money on Bovada after not playing there a long time. I just destroyed everyone for the first few days and just won a fortune and then could not win after that. Just kind of spun my wheels and broke even for a long time. And I'm like, hey, it sounds like me. Like my first four days back on Bovada, I was just killing everyone. No matter what I did, I won. And then since then, I can't get anywhere. I win, I lose, I win, I lose. I spin around the same results for for weeks now. And I know that can happen, but I've heard so many people telling me that's what happens. So maybe if I'm smart, I'll just cash out what I have. Then uh, sign up with my mom, and then sign up as my dad, and then sign up as my girlfriend, and... Just keep signing up new people. Maybe Ken Scaler can get an account on there. And uh, he can run it up too. <laughs> now, don't laugh. It's, uh, <laughs> if I suspected that's what was really happening, I'd probably do that. So let's move to the next topic. It's kind of not moving very fast this show. Three hours already. We're not even... Close to all the way through. I think I might cut the editorial tonight because the show's running long. Got three topics left. Well, the B-Win Party Poker Director is admitting that the New Jersey legalized online gaming market is a fail. New Jersey legalized Online gaming, not just poker, but you can gamble casino style. You can play casino style games, slot machines, blackjack, craps, whatever, online in New Jersey. It's not like Nevada where it's poker only. And it was thought that a lot of money would flow into New Jersey coffers through these legalized online rooms. Ultimate Poker has already shut down in New Jersey because they couldn't turn a profit there. Now, Party Poker, they're doing all right. WSOP.com, they're doing all right. PokerStar is going to be there soon, take a lot of their business, but they're not doing as well as they thought they would. New Jersey is not a small state. It's a medium-sized state. It's not like California, but it's a lot bigger than Nevada. And Taking a look like right now on Poker Scout, which monitors the traffic on the legalized sites. Party Poker New Jersey, which is associated with Borgata, right now has 260 cash players with a peak of 422 in the last 24 hours. WSOP.com New Jersey, 137 players on right now with a peak of 283. That's not very good. 260 and 137. That's really not that many players. 
Poker Stars currently has 8,626 players online playing cash games. And at their peak, in the last 24 hours, almost 30,000 cash players at once. Can you imagine 30,000 cash players at once sitting down at Poker Stars? And yet, the best site in New Jersey, 422 at that same peak. It's almost a factor of 100. So, these rooms are not doing what they thought they would do. Even if you look at players online, potential players, you have 562 people who are connected to the party poker software in New Jersey. 562 total, that's it. And about half of them are playing cash games. Probably some playing tournaments. Most of them are just sitting there and not playing. So that is not good. But it's not just my opinion that's not good. The director of poker for B-Win Party admits that it has been a failure so far. And he gave his reasoning in an article with and Bluff in an interview they did with him regarding why they are failing. And this is what he said. Uh, it said this is Jeffrey Haas, the party poker director. The article said the underwhelming iGaming revenue figures the state has produced thus far isn't lost on Haas. As he said, BWIN Party originally expected the market to be three to four times larger than it actually is. It's a big difference, three to four times larger. Haas pointed to payment processing and black market operators as having a role. So he's blaming it on Bovada and Merge, basically, that uh, people are playing there instead. But I, I, I don't so much believe that. If they, if they had a better product there in New Jersey, then people wouldn't want to play on the illegal sites. Uh, but he was also willing to take some of the blame for the poor performance. We need to do a better job in every area, Haas said. We need to be better at everything. Every step needs to improve by 1% to 4%. Well, if you only need to improve... Every portion of your operation by 1% to 4%, you're doing pretty damn well. I mean, so you're 99% there and you need to improve? I mean, if, if you're at worst 96% of where you think you should be in operations, then I think you're doing great. But you're not. There's been a lot of problems. So... They're saying that they need to improve customer service. They're saying that they uh, need to improve the software. They're saying that they need to improve the payment processing. Uh, he says the, the the company needs to be better at customer experience management. Claims the software is being improved. There will be more non-Hold'em games there. Better mobile capabilities. I guess there's not even MTTs there yet. Tournaments, wow. I thought there were. There'll be more marketing marketing efforts there in New Jersey. So, 
he feels that they need to market better. They need better customer service. The sign-up process is not very good. Sounds like more than a 1% to 4% improvement they need over there. Uh, but look, I, I think this is only going to go so far. I think maybe improving the things will only improve your traffic by 1% to 4%. I think that it's just not big enough in New Jersey. I think the problem in New Jersey is you have the immediate Atlantic City area where you have a lot of interest for gambling. And then outside of that area, I bet people don't want to gamble too much. I bet there's not that much interest in poker throughout the rest of New Jersey. New Jersey is a funny state. The Atlantic City area and the parts of New Jersey that are close to New York City. A lot of people who live in New Jersey actually work in New York City. Not Atlantic City people, but people who live close to New York City on the New Jersey side will drive into New York every day to work. It's not like living in California where you're almost never commuting to a different state to go to work because it's just too far. But New Jersey and New York, New York City's right on the border of New Jersey. So I think that part of the state, where most of the people are actually, are not all that interested in gambling. Whereas the people in the Atlantic City area, the surrounding cities of Atlantic City, I think those people want to gamble. But I think they just don't have a high percentage interested in gambling in New Jersey, like they would in a state like California and even in Nevada. So you just don't have a big enough player pool and you have too much competition. And that's why one of the competitors has already fallen by the wayside. You want more New Jersey news? Sure, why not? This is more of a tip. This is a Jew tip for you. Free money for you. If you're in New Jersey. You don't even have to live in New Jersey, but it helps to live by Atlantic City. For this tip. If you have a Caesars, Seven Stars, or Diamond card, you should visit Resorts, Hotel, and Casino, which isn't the nicest place, I'll admit, but uh, they will match your card with their highest playing card. Playing card. Highest player's card. So you'll immediately get their highest status without ever playing there. And you don't have to play there to maintain it, at least not for a while. It'll expire, but uh, right now you'll get it without having to put a penny into the machines. You just show up, here's my seven stars card, okay, now here's your top tier card. I don't know if they give you top tier or second top tier with a diamond, but uh, I know you get something for that too. So these are the benefits you get if you show your seven stars card and get their highest tier. And you can do this anytime between now and February 28th. You'll get expedited valley parking, priority lines, free admission to player lounges. Now here comes the good stuff. A free bottle of wine once per month. Also a second free bottle of wine if you dine at the Capriccio restaurant. And you can do this as many times as you want. If you have 10 dinners at Capriccio, you get 10 bottles of wine. You get to have a spa day worth $300. So you can just go to the spa and run up a $300 bill, I believe, and they cover it. And $100 food credit. Now, those two things are like one-time things you get, but still, why not? I mean, if I was in Atlantic City right now, even if I was visiting, I would show up at resorts, 
show them my seven stars card, get this card, get my $300 spot credit and give it to my girlfriend, get the $100 food credit and have a decent meal. You can have a great meal for 100 bucks, but have a decent meal on them. Pick up my bottle of wine. Why not? It's free. So if you have a seven stars or diamond card, I suggest you go down there and visit their reward center. Just a little tip for you. Also, something I should point out, if you have a seven stars or diamond card, you should definitely get the status on WSOP.com if you live in New Jersey or Nevada matched with your card. They will do that. You just have to email support at WSOP.com. You will get better rake back that way. I get 30% rake back there at WSOP.com. And that's way better than any other rake back that uh, any other level will get. I think the next one down is 20. So on to our final topic. And this is something that's a Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. Really has not been covered very much at all by the mainstream media or the gambling media. But, uh, wow, this this is a pretty crazy occurrence. There's a hotel called Chukchansi Gold. It's in the Fresno area of California. It's actually in uh, Coarse Gold, California. I stayed there once, shortly after they opened. Did I stay there because they had good games? No, they had terrible blackjack games and no poker to speak of. This is about 10 years ago. So, why did I go to Chicksancy Gold all the way up in Coarse Gold by Fresno? What, what business did I have over there? Well, this is when I was with my previous girlfriend, Miri, who had a friend, an old friend from high school, who happened to live in Coarse Gold. So she said, hey, I want to visit this friend. I haven't seen this person in a long time. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And I looked where Coarse Gold was. I'd never heard of it before. And it's right by Yosemite. And I said, oh, cool. We'll go to Yosemite. I haven't been there in a long time. So I was looking for hotels in Coarse Gold. And I didn't see anything decent. But I'm like, oh, look, there's an Indian casino there that looks – it's pretty new. It was just built. It's uh, It's got to be decent. So we stayed at Chukchansi Gold. Uh, I thought the place was very cheesy. At least it was back then. I don't know how it's changed, but uh, the games were all terrible. The staff was kind of surly and rude. The food wasn't good. Uh, The room was okay. I don't remember it being good or bad. But uh, the funniest thing was their rewards program was so stupid. Like There were really no benefits of any consequence, even for their highest tier levels there. And, and the funniest thing was they had a giveaway one day, like earn this many points and you get a Chukchansi gold beach towel. Well, not only did everyone rush down there to earn the beach towel, but there was a line that looked like a two hour line to pick up the beach towel. And they're all standing in this gigantic line to pick up that damn beach, beach towel. We couldn't believe it. So that's what I remember of Chukchansi gold. Well, this is what happened at Chukchansi gold. A federal judge closed a Central California casino after an armed showdown between tribal factions caused many gamblers to flee with chips still on the table. 
U.S. District Judge Lawrence O'Neill, acting on emergency request from the state attorney general, set no date for the possible reopening of the Chukchansi Gold Resort and Casino in Coarse Gold, about 40 miles north of Fresno. He scheduled a hearing for Wednesday. The National Indian Gaming Commission also ordered the casino closed, declaring a threat to public safety that could result in serious injury or death. A faction that was forced out of the casino to a nearby tribal business center in August returned Thursday night. So I guess there's there's competing factions there for control of the the Chukchansi Gold Casino. And they were forced out and they're like, you know what, we're going to come back and we're going to raise some hell there. And they, they came back with guns. So according to the Gaming Commission, each faction controlled different parts of the casino and was unwilling to leave as Friday wore on. So I guess they just said, hey, we're, we're coming back and uh, we're taking control of this part of the casino. But Darish County Sheriff John Anderson said about 500 people fled the casino Thursday night. He said he worried for weeks about escalating tensions and had asked state and federal officials for help. The sheriff's department negotiated with about 20 armed members after the casino cleared, Anderson said. There were no arrests and nobody was injured seriously enough to be hospitalized. When they moved the war into the casino, it meant we had to stop this, Anderson said. We have not been getting closer to a solution. If anything, we've gotten farther away. I mean, isn't this crazy? Warring factions within the Indian casino? Yeah, armed factions where people flee with their chips still on the table? How could this, how could this even be happening? The casino and hotel were guarded by sheriff's deputies on Friday. The Gaming Commission said it would close the casino if the tribe failed to provide audits and other financial documents by October 27th. One audit is 18 months overdue. Looks like I was right on when I thought this place was trouble back then. Vernon King, treasurer for the tribal council led by the faction that was ousted from the casino, said his group wanted to recover audit information and avoid a shutdown later this month. The casino, he said, employs... 1,000 to 1,500 people, and provides an average of around $450 a month to each of about 900 tribal members. Rob Rossetti, a lawyer for the group, says that that a group that has controlled the casino since August said the other faction refused offers to negotiate for several months. Madeira County Supervisor Tom Wheeler said the economic impact of the hotel and casino closure will be devastating. Still, he said he was more concerned about the potential for violence and that he urged authorities to close the casino immediately. So, yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing going on over there. There's really nothing happening in Coarse Gold except for that casino. Uh, I remember we sat on the porch late at night of Miri's friend. And aside from getting bitten by bugs, and and the guy even had like one of those zappers out there. We were watching bugs getting zapped, but it, it was so quiet out there. You hear all the sounds of nature because it's so out in the middle of nowhere. There's really nothing going on in Coarse Gold except, except that casino. Coarse Gold is the name of it, that town. So right by Yosemite, like you just go a little bit further north and you're in Yosemite. And Chukchansi Gold, as far as I know, is still closed. Here is a video, which I just found, so I don't know what's on it, but it's a, a minute 35, a security video. Showing some of the confrontations that occurred. Let's see if we get any sound here. This is some cars driving up. Oh wow, this <laughs> cars driving up. And guys like just jump out. Like they, they stop the car and before the car's even fully stopped, they just like hop out. Like, all these dudes just pull up in cars and just jump right out. 
and are carrying things. I, I think it's weapons, but it's hard to tell. And there's people outside who are arrested, it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> there's just like guys walking with guns. Looks like they have some security guards in handcuffs. What the hell? Wow. Forcing their way in. Pretty freaky video. Just go to YouTube and type in Chukchansi Gold. C-H-U-K-C-H-A-N-S-I Gold. And you'll see it. You see some fighting in the hallway. It's a big Indian guy beating up a smaller guy. Guy pointing a gun at someone else. Wow, it's pretty uh, pretty intense stuff. This looks like an action film from TV. It's really uh, pretty intense stuff. Minute and a half. Whew. So what happens to the people who left chips on the table? Do they get them back? Like, how do they know who was where? Can anyone go back in and get their chips? Like, I don't know. If, like, if this was happening there, I would definitely leave, but I wouldn't leave my chips. I would just, like, scoop my chips up. Shove in my pocket and run. The only way I would not do that is if, like, gunfire was actually raining down upon exactly where I was. But if I kind of, like, heard gunshots in the background, I would grab my chips and bolt out of there. But I would not just bolt out without the chips unless the gunfire was coming at me. Wow. Well, I'll skip the editorial. Kind of running out of time on the show. 775-fraud-55. 775-372-8355. LOL wow in chat saying, my voice is hypnotizing. It's one of those comments you don't know if it's a compliment or an insult or neither. I don't know if it's good or not. I'm trying to figure it out. Like, is it good that my voice is hypnotizing? He could say it's like boring and droning, so he's kind of just zoning out. Or that it's good and relaxing, and you can't turn it off. I hope it's the latter. So, we're going to shut this down. And I think I've done this editorial before, so if I haven't, we'll do it again next week, whatever. We will return next week at our normal time around 6.30 p.m. on... Tuesday night, Pacific Time, the October 21st. I think our next show after that will probably be a day late. I think we're going to come back after that on October 29th, but I'll give you more details about that as we get closer to that date. Thank you to all the people in the chat room, including the new listeners that I see in the chat this week. Always appreciate all of our listeners live and in the archives. I'll tell you, if people didn't listen to this show, I wouldn't do it. If we had like, you know, 10 listeners, I wouldn't bother with the show. But uh, it's good that we have a regular following of this show. And I appreciate all the free roll donations. Thank you for that. I like when I get something wrong or need additional information. I've got the chat room right there to correct me or give me interesting links. Give me breaking news stories. Kind of like my ghostwriting team right there that I don't pay. So, 
I know I promised last week I'd find out more about that private world guy, and I kind of got lazy with that, but he's still around. I'm going to try that this week and see what I can figure out about the guy's IP. Just hadn't gotten around to it. It requires a little bit of effort that I've got to do some setup with that I, I can't explain or they will be able to prevent me from doing it at 2 plus 2. I don't have any insiders there like you might think. I'm doing it all myself. And I'll report back with whatever I find. Be back next week. Maybe with a co-host. Maybe not. We shall see. Until then, Todd Dandruff would tell us here. Thanking everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. More free roll money. More stories. More clips maybe. Shalom.